No, you start recording. Always be James Corden. Yep. Make that joke every single Nailed podcast. It. Nailed it. Am I too loud or am I good now? Uh, I don't know. Get mad about one of the anime that you're mad about. Let's see how how far you clip. Ah, it sucks. I hate it. No, I think you're good. I think you're like okay. Chef kiss. <laughs> I think you're chef kiss. Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Duncan, Hello. Jeff, Yellow, and John. Hello. Triumphant return. Mm-hmm. Were you making fun mm-hmm. of Jeff's hello? Yes, the triumphant return of John, uh, because he watched so much anime that he decided to become the informal host of this podcast for the spring? Winter. Winter season. <laughs> Almost got it. Fooled you. Someday... I look forward in in the year, you know, 2024, I'll actually have have the the winter, summer, spring, and fall seasons synced up properly. They're one off from what they should be. Also, it's quarantine, so time has no meaning right now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't even know what day it is or year. And half the animes are like like Snafu is getting postponed for the the spring season. ReZero is even bigger heartbreak. ReZero is the, yeah. Well, we could start with a with an anime which got postponed for a couple of episodes, and now that's is true, back. That's true. That's uh, true. John, indulge us real quick. Duncan and I are going to talk about a certain scientific railgun oh, tea. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'll just, I'll <laughs> yeah, just you can co- go get a, a drink in the kitchen or something. Because um, <laughs> it should be finished so, by now, but it isn't. Yeah, it should be, but it's not. Uh, well, the first season should be finished. It's going to go the full twenty four. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Which is weird because I just watched the latest episode. I'm like, wow, they seem like they're, you know, yeah. just about to finish. Does um, seem but that apparently way. there's going to be 12 more episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like, that, so that's that's the only thing worrying at this point, because, like, it's been a surprisingly competent season as we... Yes, uh, despite it, all the Toma. Despite two, well, now three mm-hmm. separate Toma appearances. I think you're over... I know, no, I know he is I just hate seeing him. Like, you can't talk me out of that, Duncan. I no, hate seeing that's him. that's fine. It, you, he is a terrible character but they have actually found a way to use him which is basically as a projectile to be thrown at things and <laughs> well yeah because we talked before about the like the like one of the guys is just like a super he's one of the, uh, the like the 11 level 5 psychics in the city and he's like and he's like just he like has his jacket on his shoulders has a, has a hachimaki headband and just talks about guts all the time and all and like <laughs> he just shows up and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And Tom was like, "Oh, I'm trying to save my friend." And he's like, "You should get out if you're you're not a you're not a level five like me." And he's like, "No, she's in trouble. She's like gotten possessed." He's like, "Possessed? That's she needs more guts. You don't, you, you got to have guts not to be possessed." And he's yeah. like, "What?" It's very and all of his like all of his uh, moves are just like like super and ultra and hyper. And when he's doing special, he's like he's like super hyper ultra hyper again punch. Yeah, it's kind of know. an inverse One Punch Man in that. Yes, <laughs> it's he. Everything is overblown, and everything is the most crazy name he can think up on the fly instead of just like oh, single punch. <laughs> well, I I like dumb character. Like I like characters who are who are dumb, and it's not like a, a character flaw or a impediment to them doing what they want to do. And this guy seems like dumb as a fucking brick, but he's a level seven psychic who apparently, like, I think his power is just that like. 
if he believes he can do something, he can do something. So he's able to like headbutt a girder or like just like punch uh like a massive rock coming towards him into non into like dust non existence. Yeah. They've been extremely um, vague about what his power is other than just do- being a, a shonen hero. Yeah. Uh so when we first talked about this anime, we said that it was surprisingly good. Do you think it's it's held up completely, or do you think that like a lot of the extremely complicated, like secret people in a lab stuff has kind of made it feel like it's going off track? No, I mean, like I, I, I <laughs> that sounds like a maybe. It's like uh, I haven't. Con- uh, it's to its credit that I haven't considered that. Is what how I would put it. It's like I I have not yet. It's been bored enough by an episode to think well. Is, did we really need to visit this this particular lab and hear this particular bit of story? Because it's done its ensemble really well. It's it's yeah. it, even like the boring uh, popular girl girl character um, got two good episodes where you. Oh, you of, mean the the Ojo-san who yeah. like controls stuff with her fan? That was like the best fight of the show so far. That the fight and then her two hangers on also fighting was great. And it's 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 still uh, seems to have a good sense of humor, which is always welcome in, uh, in these sort of shows. Like uh, uh, the most recent episodes, like our, our mutual hate of uh, Toma, the resident potato kind of the uh, certain series, is 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 was <laughs> like his the big problem we we ha- have had with him in Index in particular is like he shows up, he saves the day, so on and so forth. And in in this episode, all that happens is he gets literally picked up and thrown at at someone as just to to use it because he his his power is that his hand cancels other people's powers, and so the his other complete person, Mary Sue powers yeah. that like yeah he, his power cancels out every other power so, in the entire world, and so this other character just realizes oh I can just chuck him at him and at this other character and that will cancel out her powers. <laughs> well, the even better thing is when is when he touches her and she doesn't, and then he's like flying, he's like how, fuck, how am I gonna land? He doesn't say fuck, that'd be pretty rad. Uh, so he says yeah bye, how am I gonna land? And then. The guy like runs past her and catches him. And so the last we see of Toma is like him being like held in yeah, like a crazy carry. And he's like, what's going on? It's like he like literally it, he like literally knows that he's being the, the scenes being stolen from him by this character. Um, yeah. if, if I have to see Toma, I like I'd prefer it that way. But I mean, I don't know. I do. When we have this like was this like Gen, Gensei with that like the bad guy, the bald old man. Yeah. Um, and like he's like, yeah, I was I was responsible for all the bad shit that the first season. He didn't say he doesn't shit to be right if he did. Uh, he all, all the bad stuff that uh that the uh the first season antagonist did that was me. And I was like, oh no, I I always hate it when they retcon like a previous villain is like not being the real villain. I I, I don't know, but I mean I've enjoyed it. I even enjoyed when like um Misaka uh Beery Beery uh Lightning Bolt or like lightning bug as they call her in the in the dub and then like the girl who like uses a remote control to like mind to like mind white people um they're like hurrying to like this the, the lab where they think uh something is and like misaka is just like booking it and then she gets there and she's like wait shoko's not with me was i betrayed and then she just comes and she's like hey! <laughs> <laughs> and, and like so, oh she's just not athletic like yeah. every shonen protagonist is yeah, I like it that that you've you've got someone who isn't just as you say like this this hyper uh, fit person, which just seems to come as standard. Like even even like 
Like one of the annoying things about T- Toma is like not only is like he one of the many annoying things is like like he's also supposedly a good fighter because of reasons. No, because he's been beaten up so much. That's the thing. It's like I'm all, I'm just really good at getting beaten up, which means I'm a good fighter. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. Otherwise, like boxing it's like it's like an, and mixed martial arts I was gonna say, yeah it's like a computer game logic well he's he's been hit ten thousand times so he's raised his defense and yeah oh. he's yeah he's but he, oblivion he's oblivion buffed his like <laughs> his defense and health so high um so yeah i'm excited to see where it goes it's not as good as the first season but it is generally good and they're keeping a really tight ensemble and the mysteries that it has don't seem like they're just not telling you shit so that they can surprise you with it later, which is another thing that bothers me. It's just like legitimately the characters don't know. And then they find out like an episode or two later. So there's mm-hmm. no like, cause I think they would, they would keep it like a lot more secret who like the weird liquid metal girl is, but they go to like a research thing. And like, I love this scene. I don't know if you enjoyed it as much as I did, uh, where they go to like this library and they're trying to like look up stuff and they can't find anything. And then like the research librarian comes over and just basically like, does all the theorizing for them she's like oh well she's not in the database she probably got she's either dead or someone deleted her to make her look like she was dead and they're like oh that's interesting yeah i think both of us can have been library worked in libraries at one point of our lives can certainly sympathize with the with the person who's just sitting around in their desk all day and is is bored and finally gets a chance to to (laughs) to use their encyclopedic knowledge of the system to to do something interesting yeah oh i know where that book is (laughs) Um, yeah it's it's been very good and uh, i mean i'm even not annoyed by the fact that um all of misaka's friends got their minds wiped so they don't remember they're her friends anymore although uh kuroko is of course so horny for misaka that she's like restoring her memories just by how turned on she is by looking at misaka all the time <laughs> which i'm not sure how i feel about but at least it, it got a laugh out of me when she's like i don't know why but i i really want her to respect me and like me and i'm just like aw true true creepy romance from from railgun yeah i mean it also did the sort of sob backstory for for one character and, and like handled it quite well and and i thought so yeah and instead of like having the villains be like we've still got the the big um the big bad being like this complete cipher of of what's his motives slash yeah why but the weird sort of... old man with a black spiral eye which is just like required they hand those out at villain school whenever you although and like having the metal uh uh, uh t1 t1000 one th- yeah. girl let's call her yeah. um having like a, a a backstory which isn't revealed from her perspective but from uh, implication of another one's which is mm-hmm. is quite is kind of smart and it was wasn't uh like hugely it was just like put in with just the right amount of subtlety and just the right amount of okay this is what's going on we're not going to completely tease you with it i will say though that they they did have um one bit which uh where they they slightly um I don't know I've completely forgot what I was going to say uh something bad about railgun yeah trail trailgun railgun <laughs> team trailgun um no it's gone okay well, <laughs> oh no you've been mind wiped by Shokoho she's yeah deleted your deleted your thought I mean I, I think that oftentimes we'll see if you pick it up while I just yammer to myself for a while. I think oftentimes anime is really interested in suspense and thriller plots, but it doesn't enjoy the kind of like 
hyper rigid pacing and hyper subtle characterization that often makes those good and not feel like really bad James Patterson airport pulp. <laughs> and I think that Railgun is actually surprisingly good about like it does the slow pacing and the subtle characterization through like ensemble performances and stuff. And I think that generally speaking, it does well where I'm never, except with Toma, I'm never like, Oh, we got to spend time with this character. I'm like, Oh cool. I get to learn more about this character. Yeah. Um, which is hard to build that kind of ensemble yeah. when anime is so focused on like, it's like uber menches. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've remembered what was bugging me, which is that um, it generally has been good about avoiding the fact that it's part of a huge franchise and obviously these characters all exist. And there's two ways you can go about, about that. You can either um, assume your audience knows who this person is, or you can actually introduce them with enough of their character and behavior for the person to to just like pick it up and understand mm-hmm. what they're like and i think it's been generally good with that but, but the only character who they've kind of just messed up is um uh aztec girl as that face face oh, changing she, girl she was always she was always a bad character though like i don't think she was good in the original series no. either in in a certain magical index but it's it's like if she's not i mean admittedly her power is to um to change her face and, and not not look like someone else so <laughs> it's it's hard to say it's hard to introduce her, her that well but like her getting the, the the moment where she spares another character because of something which has happened in a, another series felt a bit disconnected in a way that the the rest of the narrative didn't well, I think they, that's actually where most of the show's, like, down points have been. Because, like, the fact that, like, Kuroko's in the hospital at the beginning of the show and they, like, don't explain it at all. And I had to, like, go on a wiki and it's like, oh, yeah, this is right after she gets really hurt during the second the second season of A Certain Magical Index. And I'm like, oh, cool. So this happens while everyone's healing up after that, that arc ended. But also just, like, it's weird to have a major character start out in the hospital and you have to have remembered a show that you watched nine years ago to know, to know mm. why she's in the yeah. hospital. Um, it's definitely kind of strange. Shall we move on from Railgun yeah. to another show that, at, at, that we started about nine, 10 years ago and talk about Chiharafu if John and Jeff want to. Yeah. I, I also, don't think John watched it. I haven't but... watched it. So, <laughs> uh, someone else talked, Jeff, uh, as some, as the, someone with the freshest, uh, take on Chihayafuru. Uh what did you think of the third season I think for the most part it was pretty good um for the like for a sports show it was really good at sort of mixing the stakes like the first season you know it had this you know sort of improbable meteoric rise of this you know new star and you know they were winning everything and then they sort of even that out and give it a more human texture to it you know in the mm-hmm. second season, it's mostly concerned with them doing the uh, the the high school tournament, I believe. It's like almost the entire season. Like it slows it right down. It gets really, really into the nitty gritty of the matches. Like it's never a given that any of the characters are going to win, um, unless they're like a punchline character like Retro, where like he just like is stuck in B class for the entire series. Uh, but even he gets some growth by the end of the third season. And then, yeah, like the third season is just the the wheel sort of coming off of the dream. Uh, everybody is getting older. Like people's time is running out. Tai Chi is up against a uh, you know, like familial 
uh, obligations as well as, you know, his feelings and Arata's feelings sort of coming out and Chihaya not really knowing how to deal with it and not really wanting to deal with it, just kind of like wanting to stay in high school forever. Like even her, like her career goal is to become a teacher specifically so she could become a Karuta uh, club advisor. And uh-huh. everybody is like starting to call her out and it's like, okay, you need to like figure something out. Like what we're doing right now <laughs> is not forever. And I know it's everything to you right now, but you need to sort something out. And, but it's also not just entirely, concerned with that like sort of like title triumvirate of characters like there's all of the side characters who get lots of uh screen time get lots of nice little arcs uh the the big bear-like uh karuta society director what's his name again god damn it uh dr harada yeah harada like he gets a nice uh arc that he gets an amazing arc yeah i think where he where he like makes his like final play of his life to be to be the the uh the master the king of the of the entire scene yeah like yeah and just like you know playing his karuta his way of and like you know he's got the whole community behind him because the current master is like this sort of like effete weirdo that everybody hates and is he just like likes to troll people and like you know he'll he'll play a game you know to to match the exact card count of a game that's happening across the hall from him just because that's like you know his mastery is so total but then you also get mm-hmm. like his backstory and it's, you know, you know, it's also laced with tragedy and the current queen Shinobu also gets like a nice, a bit of fleshing out. And, you know, you start seeing the, you know, her yearning to have like some human contact and everything else. And yeah, for the most part, it's like, I mean, for it's, it's a very, very good textured show that isn't a power fantasy, despite being a, uh, a sports anime like it it it's uh-huh. it, it's about sports but it's not a sports anime and I, I, it's it's nominally like a shoujo romance show but there's like the, the romance takes such a back seat until like basically the last few episodes of the of the season mm-hmm. that they actually start making jokes about it in the in the uh in the clip episode they're like hey remember when this was like a romance show but now that's entirely held up by you pining for tai chi like the like the, the the side character girl, uh, uh-huh. God damn it, I can't Sumire. remember anybody's names. Yeah, Sumire. You know, and she's like, "Oh shit!" Like my story is the one holding this is still keeping us in our genre. Shit. <laughs> I mean, I I have to say, like, I've so when I, this first started, I was kind of like, "Wow, it's moving so fast." We don't get to like really see that many games, mm-hmm. which I found kind of like disappointing because, like, you're right. The second season is just like basically the tournament you get to see every game every game gets at least one full episode and stuff and this one yeah more often than not you don't even get to see you just get to see the outcome you don't get to see you get you get the setup and you get the outcome you don't get to see the game itself Mm -hmm. often um but on the other hand like it's really doubled down on the character stuff and i was surprised that like the love triangle like starts to get resolved in the back half of this of this season um, and that we do have like Sumire who joined the the Karuta club for the totally selfish reason of just wanting to get closer to Taichi mm-hmm. um, that like she becomes really like sympathetic where she like seems to be the person who's maybe most in touch with her feelings in the entire sh- in the entire show where she like realizes that she doesn't she's not going to get this guy and like her her skills aren't relevant even her skills at cooking really good chocolate because 
Tai Chi doesn't like chocolate, so she like buys him a, a jar of pickled squid yeah. uh, instead. And she's just like, yeah, I'm going to confess to him. He's going to turn me down, and then that will kickstart like the rest of the stuff. And so she tur- like confesses to him, and she's like, I've I've told you, I've told the person I love that I like them. You should tell the person you love that you like them, and that begins the end game of the show, basically, mm-hmm. uh, where, where Tai Chi confesses. Uh, he doesn't even really hear what Chihaya says back to him, but he knows it's a rejection. And so he quits the club because he can't stand to be around her mm-hmm. having been turned down. And yeah, it's, it really, I was expecting a lot more like shoujo romance style stasis. Like my, I think the most, uh, the most notable thing that we've seen, uh, in terms of, uh, in, uh the most notable thing that I've seen in terms of that is like Kimi no Todoke, where like, she doesn't confess to him until like the second to last episode, but like this, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's making decisions. She's making decisions. People are telling them that they have to decide. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Duncan. I, I like, I liked how, um, after he is reject that we actually get Tai Chi rejected, leaving the club and like the, the typical, Oh, oh she is running after him. Uh, tears in her eyes, trying to t- say, "Don't leave the the club. Think about all the friends you've made." And 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 she, he's like, "No, I'm not made of stone. <laughs> this hurts me incredibly. I'm can't stand to be here, and can't even stand to play Karuta because it's because Karuta's completely tied up with the girl that he has spent his entire high school career loving. Yeah, the cards are pitch black to him. It's just like." <laughs> That's a brutal re- rejection of her, of saying like you you can't just just choose to have the parts of our friendship that suit you and ignore the parts which are inconvenient. And it was just mm-hmm. kind of uh, very, a very a very messy teenage romance, which Chihafu, as as you're saying, hasn't really made any sign of being until that point and yeah it's just like as you say her and um uh tai chi's uh, admirer were really the only people who uh, only only sign of of what was coming and then we just get this big old tornado sweeping through and uh, leaving just chaos behind it mm-hmm and and there was like a yeah, a, a, yeah. a recurring and theme of Chihaya's I don't know, and I think also uh, character like is Chihaya's setbacks up until this point have entirely been about people just being better than her and this isn't something where she can just get better and I think in general like having Harada's and uh Inokuma the uh, the Maya Sakamoto character with the huge fucking eyes um like both of them it's like I feel like in a lot of sports anime and people who actually watch more than like five sports anime, feel free to interrupt me. <laughs> uh, but uh, like in a lot of sports anime, like graduating from from high school is the end, uh, the assumed end. But it's not like we've got to do it before we graduate. It's like just kind of like, well, we'll get there by our senior year and then that'll be the end of our story. Um, in this case, like I think that having Inokuma, having Harada, being like, no, time is your enemy. You'll get older. You'll get less chances to do this. You'll your skills will decay. People that you love will grow apart. Because Harada has this thing where he didn't he have a crush on the reader and like basically like ruined her life a little bit by being such a baby during his first like play for the king title. 
I don't know. Um, but there is like this idea that like there's a there's a temporal and a human cost to mastery, and you don't realize that in high school because everything seems perfect. But I think the third season is very much about like driving home that like no, these things have an ending, and it's not a storybook ending, which is cool for a storybook to be telling us that i guess <laughs> and there's um, also I'm excited the, to see what the fourth season is yeah and uh, and like because chihaya's biggest like character point is that she's greedy like i'm not sure that's if what the what the term is in japanese but they always translate it as greedy in that she like she wants a very specific thing and she's willing to do anything she can to get that thing you know she wants to have the best team and she wants to be the best single player and she wants you know, all of her friends around her, and this is sort of, you know, what makes her strong, what makes her a strong competitor, but it's also the thing that makes this entire situation blow up in her face, where she wants the stasis, she wants where they are to stay in place, and she can't accept what everybody else wants, and now she's having to face that, and to have the the season end on that note is, yeah, like, I'm really, really hoping we're not going to have another eight-year gap to find out what happens. I think that the manga's gotten a pretty big, pretty big lead, although don't don't quote me on that. I haven't seen any news of a fourth season. Yeah, I, yeah, I have no idea how 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 popular this is for anybody else either. So it it seems to be something. I mean, like it seems to be something that that we. I don't know. It seems to be something that they're determined to see through to the end. It's not. It's not going to be a uh, a medica box situation where they just run out of money and people don't give enough of a shit about it. So. <laughs> We'll have to see. I guess I'm looking forward to um, see, being disappointed by that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're an anime fan. You're, you've got to prepare for disappointment in all in all things. <laughs> They'll let you down every single time. Uh, well, speaking of letting us down, or actually not letting us down, John, you watched every other anime that we <laughs> that we haven't <laughs> talked about yet, right? Oh yeah, all of them. <clears throat> yeah, from this season and every previous. You want to do season. an old an old fashioned like yeah, chew through it. Is it my turn? Uh, I mean, okay. it's yeah, it's the John show from now on until Duncan talks about Blade of the Immortal. I'm sorry for everything then. Um, I'll be <laughs> honest. I don't actually know if all of these were from this season because it's been so long since I finished something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think they all are. I think they all are. Because the only play, one that I... Play the game at home. <laughs> you know, hey, play along I, at home. The only one that I wasn't sure about I asked before and it was Beastars and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, uh, Beastars is getting its own episode because everyone except for me is super horny about it. They fucking oh, love horny those. is not the word that they I love those use, they but, love those anthropomorphic animals but i mean i'm sure some people would use it just not me <laughs> anyway uh i like right. that you say use it which leaves no room for interpretation <laughs> none at all obviously couldn't possibly think anything terrible of in uh, as a result of that no i think i, I think you're protesting too much duncan anyway <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what just happened all I said was I don't use the word horny to talk about it, and some people do, and now this is awkward. I'm going to go on now. Save us, save us, John. Uh, right, so I have a list, and it's basically a bucket that I'm going to pull from at random. There's no order. Uh, first on the list, because it's at the top, arbitrarily, uh, My Hero Academia, the latest season. I believe it's over now. I'm pretty sure it was the last episode that aired two weeks? Last, last week. It was last week. <sighs> um... It's really not like it's my hero academia, so it's kind of just more of that. But I want to call one specific thing, or maybe two things. Uh, so there's two characters that are kind of irredeemable shitbags: Bakugo, who is a bully asshole, and his basically his entire story is that he bullied Deku, and Deku still for some reason worships him. 
it's really dumb. And then the other one is uh, Endeavor, who is, well, I forgot the dude's name, Todoki, something like that. There's a, there's another. I, ca- I cannot help you here. I'm I know, sorry. I know. I'm thinking out loud. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm aware that I'm the only one here who's talking about it, and that's why I'm annoyed that Andy's not here. Anyway, um, it's it's your hero academia, not our hero academia. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Endeavor is the father of one of the students, and he's an, he's an abusive piece of shit father. So these these two characters are really just kind of bad. They're just bad people, and the show kind of makes you want to care about them anyway, and. For a very, very long time, I was like, I'll never care about them. I, they're not, there's not going to be any way that they could possibly redeem these characters for me. And they still haven't really, but it's done an amazing job of me making me root for them anyway, especially Endeavor. In the last episode of this season, like, he is aware that he's been a shitty dad. He's aware that he's done some horrible things, and he, they make it seem like he's actually putting in the effort to be better and to make up for that and i appreciate that because that's a pretty rare thing honestly that it comes off as a believable uh desire to be better rather than you know something selfish uh, or just something that just feels fake because it's just not written well um (laughs) and so i've read the manga before this episode like i've read the manga ahead of where the anime is and i knew what was going to happen in this episode and basically endeavors fighting this villain this sort of nameless villain who basically just wants to fight the strongest guy. And because All Might is out of the picture forever, Endeavor is currently assumed to be the strongest. So this villain goes after Endeavor. They get into this really big fight. Endeavor's struggling a lot. And I knew what was going to happen. And even so, I was still on the edge of my seat rooting for him the whole time, hoping that he would not fucking lose because it, it was really tense and exciting. And it's rare for that to happen to me. I don't has, often... Has, has it slumped recently? And this is like a return to form or, or is it so. just... okay? It's you just, just enjoyed this, it. It was just a good fight. It's a really good fight, and the the specific emotional investment of it, uh, like, I don't know, it just got to me. And it's not often that I am physically tense watching a battle shonen these days. It just doesn't fucking happen. And yet, there it was. And I just mm. wanted to call that out, because I think it was really good. Uh, and I think the season's over now, and that sucks. But I'm it's going to come back, obviously, so hooray. Um, next on the list... I'm tired. Case file N two two one Kabuki Cho, alternatively known as Kabuki Cho Sherlock. It is Sherlock Holmes in Kabuki Cho, which is the eastern side of Shinjuku. It's like the slums or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I talked about it before during the first uh, half of its airing. Uh, it is. I don't know if I have like a favorite implementation or execution of the idea of Sherlock Holmes, um, this definitely isn't it, but it does some things particularly well. And that I think it has a larger cast to surround him with rather than just focusing on, you know, the standard Moriarty, Sherlock Watson, Mary, right. blah. I mean, they, those are all, those all, all those characters are there. Lestrade and, and, and Mycroft, they're all there, but then they also have these extra characters who are just there kind of, because it's in Tokyo and it's instead of just being about Sherlock, it's about this whole cast of detectives, like private detectives that solve these mysteries, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Watson is a dumbass, and that's annoying. Like, I don't like bumbling idiot Watson. Mm-hmm. It's just not a thing that I have ever really liked. It's a uh, weird thing that's come up that's come up just out of like the post Doyle Sherlock stuff. Cause like, like 
Watson's a cop who like fought in Burma. Like he's like a he's like a like a hard ass dude. And for some right. reason, they just make him like a like a gullible buffoon. I don't well, they know. don't it's always really... right because like in the BBC Sherlock, he's competent. Like he knows what he's doing. He's he's not fucking genius like Sherlock. But yeah. you know he he he's it's not just, an idiot. It's just tempting but, to make him dumber and dumber so that Sherlock looks smarter and smarter. Though right, I feel like right, and I think that I mean a lot of that came from like the first like TV series or something, right? Or like one of the first big ones where like mm-hmm. he literally was just a fucking idiot the whole time, and Sherlock was there to explain it to him like he was five years old because he was mentally five years old. <laughs> um, but in this one, uh, I mean, like I said, Watson's a dumbass, but he still has a lot of heart, and I appreciate that because you know, I'm a sucker for bullshit heartfelt <laughs> moments in anime. a sucker for bullshit title drop right there yes. uh, <laughs> so so i remember the, you saying that there was a problem with this one right i mean there's a couple problems the big one is that it gets a bit and by a bit i mean super transphobic during one specific episode and it's weird because up to that point like it was very sort of accepting of like so mrs well i forgot her name his landlord what's her name are you asking hudson. me mrs okay. hudson okay <laughs> yeah no, i mean it's a sherlock character so i was hoping somebody would remember oh. anyway mrs hudson and this is actually a what's the word you know the like the bearded stereotypical trans woman with the beard really yeah. muscular yeah omake like, he, he, kind of uh, Okama. Okama. Omake yeah. is a uh, side stories in a <laughs> long running show. Uh, anyway, that's Mrs. Hudson is one of those in this show, and they treat her normally like they don't ever really make fun of her. And then also she hosts like this hostess bar, and all of the hostesses are also trans, uh, or at the very least cross dressers. You know, it doesn't really go into detail. Does it, it, there's, it? there's not that much. The there's concept. not that much granularity in, in how at least Japanese media treats those things. Right. Exactly. So, right. Unfortunately, it, it never really judges them until this one episode where one of them ends up being a really like basically a, a serial killer, Jack the Ripper, and he's a serial killer because he is jealous of women for for being women, and he wants to be a woman, but he can't because he's a man. And so he's just Buffalo Bill, basically. So he kills all the women, and it, it gets you know that's bad. Then after that episode, they never talk about it again because of course. Uh, <clears throat> Um, because trans so women are jokes. Yeah, oh. well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't treat them like jokes. It's except, just this, except for the one, <laughs> except for the one. It doesn't even treat it like a joke. There, it treats it like a like like it's a bad thing. Like it's a mental disorder. But that's literally the only episode. Even every other episode that was about that character doesn't do that. It's just that one episode, that one moment, and it's fucking weird and out of character for the rest of the show. Hmm. But that aside, that sucks. I still like the show a lot besides that. Um, the only other big problem I had is that, so Moriarty is a bad guy, right? For the first half of the series. Like uh-huh. he's not, he's a, he's like a, he's like part of the group of detectives. Um, and then he gets, he kills Jack the Ripper who had previously killed his sister. He goes, he gets sent to jail. Uh, shit happens in jail. He gets out because his dad is the mayor and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> is that uh, how it works? Uh, self-defense so he got out early whatever uh-huh. um, yeah sure where am I going with this it's what you his, don't like his, about his, it huh what you don't like about it yeah so his Moriarty is supposed to be like this this uh, foil for Sherlock Holmes or, or mm-hmm. like the uh, the epitome of Sherlock of the anti-Sherlock Holmes idea right like he's a genius criminal to oppose Sherlock's genius detective business those are words and 
in this show, he is that, but he does it through this method of hypnotizing people into killing other people and then killing themselves when they hear their names said out loud. It feels really ham-fisted and not... Really pulpy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel right. Like, because the show hasn't really... Like, it's over the top, it's bombastic, but it doesn't really do these... Hypnotism is fake, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. the idea that he could hypnotize so many people to just perform crimes to kill people, and then once they're caught, somebody says out their name, and then they recite this number, and then he kills himself. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Is the number a clue? The number is a clue. Uh. Um, Moriarty eventually dies in the third to the last episode. Sherlock gets all depressed because they were friends. Uh, Watson also depressed because they were friends. Uh, (laughs) And then the number, Sherlock's like, oh, that number, that's right, that's a clue. And then he figures out the clue, and it leads to where Moriarty left his last message behind a series of puzzles. Because, of course... Um, I don't hate all that stuff because I like cheesy shit sometimes, and it was it was fun. You like mystery just, shows, generally speaking. I, feel I like, like mystery shows a lot. Yes, um, I just don't like how Moriarty's like Moriarty's core mechanic in this show felt stupid to me. And he sounds like a Batman sucked. villain. He doesn't sound like uh, Moriarty. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, Even yeah, the the puzzler. <laughs> but all that aside, I think the best Sherlock stories are the ones that like focus on his humanity or lack thereof and his striving to be more human. And I think mm. that this one actually does that pretty well because he is stacked up against Moriarty, who has that same issue where they're like, they both just, they have these sort of holes inside themselves, right? That they need to fill in different ways. And Sherlock has found a way to do that without going like crazy and killing people. Moriarty is like, oh, my sister was murdered. I have nothing left to live for, so I'm going to go crazy and kill people, right? Uh, and I think yeah, that it actually plays them off of each other well in that regard. And I wish that it did everything else well. You know, those <laughs> those, two, those other two things that really stick out to me. But overall, I still liked it. And it's it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's really funny sometimes. And I mean, you know, I, I think I'd still recommend it. But I just wish those two things were different. Understandably. Yeah. Okay. Next... Uh, I forgot. Every time I do this, I talk so long, and then I get tired. Because you have good ideas. <sighs> Let's not do this on air. I'm not saying that it's a bad. I'm just saying I am physically exhausted already. I'm saying you're a bad thing. I am a bad thing. Uh, Id invaded. Uh, I think Duncan is the only other person who started watching this, and he ended up not liking it. Yeah. Uh, but he's wrong. Um, <laughs> So the premise of It Invaded, uh, the first episode starts off like really fucking, it starts off well, like the, it's a, it opens with a banger, like, um, you know, the first scene opens on this guy who's just like floating in this void with a bunch of pieces of houses floating out in the void, and he's like, oh, I'm missing my arm, where the heck is it? And then he's like, who am I? And then blah, blah, blah. He finds the body of a girl, he's like, oh, Kaido-chan, uh, that's right, I'm Sakaido, I'm supposed to solve the mystery of how she died. It's, does... A really good job of putting you into these like you know the steps of discovering who he is what he's doing there and like why the world is working the way that it is and then it ends up being that he's like once he solves that mystery like you see like outside the world he's inside this like they call it an id well which is some bullshit sci-fi shit like <laughs> basically a murderer leaves behind these cognition particles the particles can be used to enter the id well of that murderer and then through there they can see like the sort of 
weird interpretations of what that murderer's thought process is and how they see the world, right? And how they see their victims. Um, and it does that over and over. And I think that it does lose some of the strength of it when it gets repeated. But then by the end, I think it gets a lot more back. It basically turns into Inception by way of serial killers and genius detectives. Uh, okay. It's a, it's a pretty wild series. Um, good good wild, though? Oh, yes. Or, okay. I would, I, if I didn't like it, I would have said up front that I don't like it. And also, I wouldn't <laughs> have, have said Have you ever seen that Jennifer wrong. Lopez movie, The uh, The Cell? No. Uh, oh, the original, she, she anyway, like, I think. I, I, I can't remember, like, I think it was just some, like, bullshit sci-fi thing where they, like, hooked her brain up to a serial killer who's, like, about to go brain dead and, like, going through his psyche to find the location of the last victim before they die. And it's, That's like, it. That is exactly what this is. Okay, so, yeah. That movie was I mean, also, sometimes... like, generally regarded as bad, but very entertaining if you know what you're going into. <laughs> I think that this is very entertaining and not bad. Mm. Um... <laughs> I mean... It just pulls a lot of bu- bullshit. Like, let's so. So does Inception, and Inception's I, a good would, movie. Yeah, but if you, if you pick one one particular set of bullshit to pull, that's fine. <laughs> but when you've you're just throwing it all around, that's messy. And like what? So I'm fine with the idea of them having the Inception method, like the idea of um, using a abstracted world to explore the motives of. Uh, a serial killer is yeah that's fine inception and has done that sort of stuff as ins- no inception is sorry i should have clarified the inception part comes in when <clears throat> all these serial killers were influenced by somebody else diving into their mind and influencing them through this same process was it moriarty <laughs> <laughs> it was john walker he did have a, a hat and a cane uh, he did yeah, mm-hmm. who knows if he's based off a famous brand of whiskey but i, I have no idea the name sounds like it could be something but also it could be nothing yeah but it's like i think it bears as mentioning that the way they track these criminals is through cog is it cognition particles they call it like what's what's that mean it means when somebody has a violent thought or performs a violent action i'm not sure if, if it's either or both they leave behind these cognition particles that you hold up this weird little fucking radar gun and it tells you oh hey there's a lot of shit here and then it pings it back to the is that cool is that cool or dumb i can't tell (laughs) oh it's dumb but who fucking cares like it's it's just the it's it's the vehicle by or through which it does the cool stuff so who cares that's fair it's it's very dumb it's it's distractingly dumb and then then we have things is like it? i think it's the th- is it the third or the fourth episode where the one of the their detective team who looks like a like 11 year old child um it's is captured so by one it. of the yeah it's captured by he, one he, of he the, can and he will uh yeah he's captured by one of the criminals and took to their she doesn't look 11 she just looks small she looks young, but not eleven. She's got a school backpack, John. God damn it! I carry a backpack around, and I'm fucking thirty-three. <sighs> Thirty-three-year-old. You're also Lolly. like Backing a up. big dude, like vertically, as opposed right, to I'm I just saying, like if I can carry it around, so can a fucking small woman. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. We'll save this for the B Stars podcast. <laughs> uh, but 
that's not even the bad part. That's just the start of it. It's like she literally he's he's like the driller killer and he's like drilling Perforator. holes in people's heads and he kills people by drilling holes in their heads. That's his serial killer. That's his signature. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, how does she escape him? He's threat- threatening her with a drill. And so she headbutts the drill. Uh, thus, uh, yeah, yeah, don't. It's, it's... She doesn't escape him by doing that. She she does, essentially. She the, the... Okay, so how does she escape then, And John? She still gets fucking drilled in the head. She doesn't escape. Okay, but she doesn't get killed. She survives. Right, just like he survived. <laughs> he has a drill fucking hole in his head too how do you how do you accept him being alive but not her living because like okay so he he, what we're supposed to believe is that he's gonna kill her uh by drilling a hole in the head and she he survives by Uh, drilling uh, a hole in her head he doesn't want to kill her he just wants to give her a hole in the head yeah yeah and the big reveal is what I wanted all along was for you to put a hole in your own head. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking lunatic. <laughs> what do you want? Are you expecting a lunatic to make sense? He's drilling people's drilling holes in people's heads. You wanted him to be I'm like a logical human being. The concept of lunatics to like well, it's only one like mental illness is not something which like they're just they're just mad and this, but this he's guy, not like all we see of him is it just him being mad and incorrect uh, and if you keep watching the show you'll see that that's not what he oh, is i didn't i know i bailed on <laughs> i'm painfully aware right now because you're talking about it like you are i don't want to watch more of this stuff like and like that's fine she, and she's fine but, I mean, like an episode later you just have she's a, not fine she spends like half an episode. You didn't keep watching the show. She's not fine. <laughs> okay, so does she go off and kill people now because she's got a hole in her head, and that's that's what people kind do. Kind of a they're... little bit, yes. Oh, <laughs> God damn, that's that's it's, what. It's I not that wouldn't... she she doesn't turn into a killer, but she has like I don't know. I'm not gonna. There's no way that I could justify it to you, but it makes sense in the show and it works. Uh, You're just gonna hate it no matter what I say. It so works. It, really it works matter. for you. I think yes. would be said, a bit more accurate it, thing. Right, Duncan's it works. clearly. That's what I said. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing is that I what I I I will I will give you the I will concede to you that the first episode was a banger, uh, like it had a great first episode. And what I know. and what I enjoyed I about it was I think the visuals. I think it was like this. Yep, him, I'm aware of that him too. Putting him being fragmented, the world being fragmented, and those two things fitting well together. And after that, none of the, the I didn't really find any of the early and maybe maybe they become more visually interesting by the 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 later episodes. I'll say that I I knew going into this discussion that you're gonna say, Oh, I really only cared about the visuals. It's just like the the first Because the visuals were really good in the first episode and they do fall off and then they get better and then they fall off. They never get as good as the first episode, yeah. it's true. But that's like Okay, if that's you all think, you like about you the show. Do you think that's because of the coronavirus or just they didn't have but no, this is the, way before. Yeah. Oh, is it? This okay. Is like, Come on, this is, like is winter. January. Such a thing did not exist. Um, we think. Well, it did. It did, but unless you <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't a thing, right? Like yeah. this was early January. This was before it was a global pandemic. Just... <sighs> yeah, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't know when it when it dropped off. But like you were all talking about, they have it didn't like, drop it, off. 
it's like the the mystery of each each one. Like they have like, oh, he's being spun around. So how can you t- you have a sense of direction from from that? How can you tell when people have been killed? Then they have like, like they have a an episode where oh, he's diving into the the memories of someone who's already dead, and like it feels like they're just recycling. Um, it's like sci-fi saw almost like it's like you're finding out about the victims and the killer and the and in the way they and the way they killed them in in that sort of gratuitous way rather than it being like this strange like it it they the worlds feel too normal at least the ones after that first one which i saw i mean maybe he they do the giant become... drills in the sky feels too normal to you? yes is it like, like they're, they're, okay <laughs> you're a weird person <laughs> But those, I don't know what world you live in. <laughs> okay, so th- those drills only happen at the end of of one one. That they're, they're coming down, and basically every time he, that's the second. Oh, we're just getting into the weeds about the the miniature. The drills are hit her head. The the drills world is inside the cop lady's head. It well, whatever it's called. So do they return to that, or is it just in the? Yeah. Okay, well, <sighs> I don't know. All these, all these threads that you're complaining about are pointless. Have a point later on. Eh, well, that's their job to convince me that there's going to be a point and not go. Oh, this all seems, seems. I don't know. To me, it seems like you saw something you didn't like and were immediately dismissive and didn't want to give it a chance. <laughs> I watched five episodes of this, John. This is more than you, I you watched most three or four. Seasons. Now you watched five. <laughs> I can't keep up with you. Anyway, it's a great show. <laughs> it's a show. It's a dumb show. Uh, you're watching Railgun. You have no no place to. No Railgun. Ooh, I don't think Railgun. Ooh, is sorcerer, the... stabber, orphan. This show's bad, but it's like super '90s, and I didn't fucking care, so I watched it all, and it was fun. I'm pretty sure it's a remake of an older series that is the exact same thing. Ben, is that true? What's that? Sorcerer, stabber, orphan. I've never heard. Oh, orphan is it with an E. Orphan. O r o r p h e n. Yeah, it's uh, mid early to mid nineties. It's based on like yeah. a game, I think, or something. I thought it was the other way around. The game was based on the anime, but yes, there was a game on PS2. It was like the first PS2 game I played. I forget what it's called, the actual full name of it, but it was Orphan something something something. It was a bad game. Oh, yeah. um, anyway, I saw that this anime was coming out this season. I was like. Oh, fuck i watch it whatever and then i did and it was super like i said super 90s and yeah manga it's it's, it's a light novel series from the mid 90s uh was an anime in the late 90s yeah yeah that checks long, out. long running like 47 episodes so yeah this one is i i think it's it's already over i think oh excuse me i think it was just a one core thing but yeah well there's another one coming apparently so for stabber orphan battle of kim luck yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's where they're going next. The, the, <laughs> end, the end of the series is let's go to Kimluck. They're gonna go fight the church. Oh, there's a church. It's the '90s anime. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's it's fucking dumb. Like the main character is this cocky, but standoffish. But actually, oh, he has a heart of gold sort of character who is hounded by these two dumb dwarfs who like borrowed money from him and have not paid him back and yet they hold him responsible for some reason and also this girl who is like the daughter of a rich guy and decides that she's going to be his sidekick even though he doesn't want her and then also this other kid who wants to be his apprentice so he starts learning magic and then that's the party as they just go 
toward the Tower of Fangs, which is where the sorcerer's train and, you know, there's all kinds of you, bullshit. You can, you can tell that it's mid-90s because his character design is a, is a red headband, yes. black fingerless gloves, and what looks like a fancy version of, like, a jean jacket with the sleeves torn off. Yep. And so. he's got, like, this big silver uh, medallion, dragon yeah. sword medallion. It just, like, flings everywhere so it yeah. can animate cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but it doesn't. it's not a good-looking anime. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a real cheap, cheap one. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't recommend that you watch it, but I had a lot of fun because I just knew what it was, and I was just, you know, like, good junk food. You know, sometimes you get that. Uh, yep, so that's that one. Case Files of Jeweler Richard is a show that nobody else in all of the world has watched, I bet. Um, it's about this guy who uh, runs a jeweler or like a gem shop, jewelry, jewelry shop. It's sort of like, <laughs> uh-huh. it's like a, he's like a consult. It's weird. Uh, he like, he goes to auctions for people, you know, and then this other guy, the actual main character. Are you like, a an appraiser sometimes sometimes he sells sometimes he buys sometimes he just appraises sometimes he'll go to auctions and you know as a proxy like sometimes he'll just be like hey i see that that store is doing some shady shit so let's go shut him down uh he's kind of just this like the super fucking fancy dude from london uh who knows about gemstones but you know he's got a whole bunch of like family history and shit um And then the actual main character meets him through trying to, I mean, doesn't, the details, I guess, don't really matter, but he has a ring from his grandmother that he knew his grandmother stole from somebody else and he was trying to find the previous owner. And so he did that and then everything worked out fine. Uh, um, Man, I don't even know how to like talk about this show. It's basically (laughs) just a cheesy drama. Um, It also seems to be really, really wanting people to think that they're gonna get together the two dudes they don't uh it's definitely not it's just queer baiting yeah it just feels like a lot of queer baiting um and i'm not sure if it's intentional but my bet it is is my bet is that it is intentional um there's so much like accidental gay imagery out there right it's yeah no one ever i mean there's one (laughs) there's one point where to make a point richard sends a text to the main character so the main character is like super nice and doesn't want to upset anybody he's always complimenting people and richard's like does that ever come back to bite you and and he's like no why would it <laughs> and so richard sends him a text it's like you're a beautiful person and i think that i love you oh <laughs> just like you know extremely f- f- upfront and romantic in tone and then he starts freaking out like what what's happening i don't know why this is happening and then richard's like i'll see that's what happens when you when you're too nice to people sometimes you gotta learn to sometimes they back. sometimes they think you want to fuck them <laughs> uh but anyway fact. That, fact. That happened, that's a, that's, that's a weird that refrain like that happens a lot in shows where people are like why is this person being so nice to me if they keep doing it i'm gonna fall for them and I think, I think that's more a reflection of who is writing rather than like any kind of yeah. cultural. <laughs> well, like, okay. So influence. the specific, the specific uh, context of this sort of actually makes some sense. Uh, the main character I, whose name I cannot fucking remember because of course not. Um, he is Richard's assistant. He's 
helping Richard with a customer. He talks about how beautiful Richard is. This comes up a lot. He loves to talk about how beautiful Richard is because Richard has just like the most perfect face and he has the most perfect blonde hair. He's such a beauty. Um, but I can, t- I can tell not, you liked this anime, John. But he's not gay. Okay. <laughs> not canon gay. He has, a crush, he has a crush on a lady, another lady. And mm-hmm, that's... Mm-hmm. Anyway, Richard sees that the customer he's trying to help out is like made uncomfortable by this because she's ugly. She's not ugly. Of course, in the show, she looks a- fine. Anime, she's, anime ugly. She's anime. Ugly. She's got freckles or something. Uh, so she's like upset. And, and Richard's like, that's when Richard's like, after she leaves, she, she, he goes, have you ever upset anybody by being too nice? No. Well, then I'll send you this text. Blah, blah, blah. And then he, of course, learns the lesson not to be so upfront about uh, complimenting people. And then he goes back to doing it the next fucking episode. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I don't. I liked it though, because <laughs> of the the pretty people or what? I don't know. It was just chill. It just had pretty low stakes by and large. Uh, it was just kind of. I liked it. Cool. I can't talk about what I all I can think about is what I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> was it just like the skate that you needed? In... I don't know. I don't okay. know. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, well, we'll put a question mark by that one. Question mark out of ten. So <laughs> I cry. I, really, I liked it, but I don't know why. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, smile down the runway. This one is a fashion show, or fashion uh, shoujo sort of dealy. So you have this main girl who wants to be a model, and the main guy who wants to be a fashion designer, and they meet, and then. They start encouraging each other, and then they participate in fashion shows. It's the good. End. It was because Anime <laughs> News Network said it was bad. They said it like they said it like it got really bad at the end. I, don't, I didn't read the article. I just read the title. Why would they say that? They're just mad because he didn't win the fashion show. Maybe I, I don't know. I'll find. I'll, I'll link like, it in the show notes, and y'all can find out why Anime News Network didn't like it. He got eleventh place instead of first place. There, there go. It's it's a bad show because he should have won because clearly he's the most devoted. Kid guts, guts. I got nothing. Guts. I liked it. I don't know what could pop. If you don't, if you like the show at the start, I don't know why you wouldn't like the show at the end. I I can't think of any reason why, other than what I just said, which is a completely superficial thing. It's like, oh, the protagonist always has to win or something. I don't know. (sighs) I don't know. God damn it. I have nothing. It's fun. (sighs) I'm running out of steam here. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Come on, Inspector. Jazz it Jeff, up. watch this one. Hey, I have somebody to talk to about. Yeah, yeah, Inspector. Jeff, tell me why you hated it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I, I really, I, I, it was just that I didn't like the 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 last part as much as I liked the first part. The uh, so the basic concept is that there is this little girl who was stolen by like the yokai and the the forest spirits, and they made her into their intermediary with the human world because. They needed help with their various problems, and they're all too like dumb and ineffectual to take care of it themselves. Um, mm-hmm. So they like they like poke out an <laughs> eye, true. and they like cut out of her leg to like satisfy because some kind of like for like yokai law or something. It's like you know, yeah. this is the this is the kind of human that helps us. And then you know, she then so she's also sort of like resolving problems in a way that it it, it has. I mean, like, okay, I'm going to call it, like, the monogatari 
uh, theory of apparitions, just because that's the first place I encountered it. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it all over the place now, so I'm, it's, it's obviously not just something that was invented by that show. But the idea that uh, spirits and ghosts and whatnot are as affected by people's belief in them as the uh, as it is the other way around. So her job is basically not so much to uncover the facts of a mystery as to rewrite what the mystery is so that the like the spirit world stuff is either dissipated because people believe too many different contradictory things or she just like makes up a new lie that's better than the old lie and resolves the problem that way. And the first couple of episodes, it's involving her and this guy who was like, like the test subject of this like ancient clan of like on Myoji or something who were experimenting with eating uh, yokai to try and like take their powers. And they like came up with this, uh, uh, this cocktail of there, like mermaids. There, there was and, one specific power that they wanted, which was the ability to see slash change the future. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. And, was, and like, I forget which one that was like the demon but, that had it, like what would happen is it would see the future and then die. And so they're like, we want to see the future, the but we don't want to of its die. Death, see the future. Yeah. And so like, they also would eat a mermaid, which has like miraculous regenerative powers. And like over the like generations, generations and centuries, they were feeding kids this like mix of meat until they finally got two who had like a resistance to it and were able to take advantage of it. So she teams up with this boy who, all the all the yokai hate and fear because he, to them he looks like this like horrible amalgamation of these two spirits and they know how he got those powers so they're all terrified of him but he is like helping her like solve these like ghost problems and like she is also like she, they have like a really kind of like cute sort of relationship where like she is like you know she she meets him and she's like oh this is like the perfect man for me like he knows all about this ghost stuff but he's like also kind of a cute boy and i just like we should be boyfriend and girlfriend but he's like hopelessly in love with this like other girl who is also his cousin and that's kind of like just a thing and like it, it's it's sort of like you know it flips the you know the relationship where like, she has this this like very like upfront and like honest like feelings for him which is kind of like an interesting contrast to the rest of her deal where it's all about like building up artifice and building up like lies and it's like oh this is like the one person that i could be honest with and but i can't have him so it creates kind of a nice little tension in there and like i, I and i i was like really buying into all that stuff really hard and then the second sort of major arc they are dealing with the product of the other kid who is fed the two meets and she has sort of like, you know, come upon a way to like sort of weaponize the, the theory of, uh, of apparitions. Cause like she hates her power and she doesn't want to have it anymore. And so she's basically trying to figure out a way of getting people to believe in a God that could undo this for her because that's the way you make gods. Like gods are created, but when people believe in them and, her sort of stage one in this is an experiment in creating this urban legend of this like faceless ghost who is like killing people around this town. And if you ever see any promotional material for this show, there's like this big titty spirit holding a, an like eye no face, and, just like a yeah. black scratched out face. Yeah. 
And like it's and and you know it's obviously like it's a very pandering and silly design, but like in the show, it's sort of like imply that she's purposely chose that design because it would like catch attention and get people talking about it. And so you know it, it's it's a little bit having your cake and eating it too. But you know it's I think it I think it works pretty well. I think it works better than since you brought it up in Monogatari. To be honest, uh, Monogatari like. The pandering is a lot more explicit. They'll put that camera right up in in oh, those oh, yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, like but this is this is just sort of like she looks that way, but they don't ever really focus on her tits. Yeah, it's not like director in the cameraman that's horny. It's yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's an explicitly like sexualized character design, you know, for a plot reason, but also the author decided yeah, to definitely, make it sure. sexually. I, I, just, <laughs> I do think it works well. Yeah, in, in this case, at least. And and like 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 the actual you know the story and the concept isn't bad. It's just for me the the way that they go about defeating this monster is that basically it 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 exists because this other uh, person Rika had created this like basic you know like a wiki basically of like all of these competing theories about who this spirit is and all these people are like super Mm -hmm. into it and all these people being obsessed with it makes the spirit more powerful and Mm -hmm. the the you know the two heroes are trying to undo the spirit by basically creating you know sowing doubt and confusion over what this is uh amidst that community and so like they have this like i don't know it's like four or five episodes where the boy with his like miraculous regenerative powers just like getting killed over and over again to keep this creature busy and keep it from killing anybody else while the girl i'm gonna fucking figure out their names god damn it komogi uh yeah is it komogi i fucking i don't remember either anyway yeah uh, uh, kuro i'll point out that it's not just that he's dying it's that when he dies because he has this power of the two spirits like the, the mermaid lets him live forever and the other one whose name i'll never remember off the top of my head lets him change the future so when he dies he has the opportunity to change the future and he'll reach out and grab whatever thread he needs to and that, that, like, that's just how it's visually represented it's kind of neat yeah but yeah it's, but... so he's not dying just to die he's dying explicitly in order to try to find the future in which she can be finally defeated yeah and Meanwhile, Rika is doing the same thing, except she's just killing herself and then grabbing the threads that she wants. And then also, where Jeff was about to go, they're having this like fucking flame war on the internet, <laughs> yeah. trying to influence the masses, to, to which then further influences which futures are more or less likely to happen. And he doesn't yeah. like that. I I I, 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 just, I just didn't like the pacing, like the actual like execution of it. I just thought took too long, and I also missed all of the sort of like wacky like Japanese mythology influenced stories at the beginning of the season because all that just basically goes away and becomes entirely focused on the, like the iron lady Nanase creature. Uh, you know, they even say like, like, Oh, like all the other like yokai and spirits don't want to be around because they're afraid of this thing. And so like, you just never see that stuff again. And I just like, I was excited for that, those specific style of things. And then they all kind of went away. So it's, it's basically just like my, you know, my preference. Like, I don't think the show is, like, badly executed. Like, I think the pacing is maybe a little bit off in the end. But, like, it's an interesting story. Like, you can... And, like, you know, I, I would be tempted to, like, track down the books if they were... Uh, if they were translated. I don't think they are. I think they were, like, recently acquired by Kodansha. So, that they'll, they'll probably this be... Is, this is based on 
an actual novel, not just a light novel. Yeah. Which I only mention because it's rare. <laughs> yeah. It's not common. And I think that also right. impacts the the pacing just because like I'm I'm sure like you know they probably cut ruthlessly to make it fit into a 12 episode series and it still felt like you know the like the pacing was a lot slower than it was in your typical like you know manga based or light novel based show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would also love to read the source material because I imagine that a lot is lost in in the translation to anime. Mm-hmm. I still really liked it. Um I also <clears throat> everyone here knows I'm not into romance animes. <laughs> but I like a good romance in the anime that I do watch. I appreciate it when it happens. And I think that the connection between what were the what were their names? What were their names? You had it, Jeff. You uh had it. Kuro and Kodako. Yes, those two. Uh Kodako? Was it not Komogi? Huh. Uh no, the girl's name was Kodako. Who the fuck is Komogi? Where am I getting that from? I don't care. Kuro and Kodoko. Uh, they, like, the show shows you, like, shows mostly Kotoko. Kotoko. Isn't Komogi from Hunter x Hunter? <sighs> I don't fucking know, dude. I don't <laughs> You're know the only one here who would know. <laughs> That's what Google suggests. <laughs> Listen, I, who cares? Let's, let's just pretend I never said Komogi. <laughs> uh, the girl is constantly, like, hanging on to him, and it kind of shows him as not really being into it. And you kind of get the sense that, oh, maybe he's just kind of putting on a show. And then the very last scene, I think, is really sweet because she's like, I don't remember what it says, but he basically says, you're the most beautiful flower, something, something, something. And she gets like, she gets all shy. She's like, oh, let's go. And it was really sweet. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, well, I, liked it is, the, I, liked, I liked the portrayal of their relationship because I don't think it's a one-sided thing. I think it's just kind of like that's their dynamic and they actually do love each other. and it's cool and nice to see. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, go on. And there's also the fact that like Kuro, like, you know, like the way his power works is that he has to die and then he sees the future and then he comes back to life, but like he still experiences all the pain and everything else. And he describes that as like, you know, his life of having this basically means that he, he feels very, you know, he's got that sort of like Dr. Manhattan mentality of, he feels completely detached from everybody around him. And yeah, so like he, he isn't like, you know, he's, you know, he's got a lot of trauma. He's got a lot of detachment. And so like, you know, in a lot of ways, he's not capable of returning her feelings. Uh, but like, and, and so it's not like, you know, the usual anime thing where like the guy is like, oh, I hate this girl. And like, you know, he's all super horny for everybody else. But then like, you know, the one who is into him, he's just like, dis- you know, he's disgusted by or oblivious yeah, 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 to. Yeah. It's not, it's not that like usual hacky dynamic. There is like, it's, you know, it, it's a good show. Like my, all my complaints are basically just like the, the pacing felt slow and I, you know, it didn't have the things that I liked from the earlier parts of the series. Like the rest of it, I thought it was pretty good. I think I could probably agree that the pacing is slow in the last bit, but because it was so fucking stupid in its uniqueness of being literally a flame war on the internet to get this ghost to go away. Yeah. I don't know. I loved it and I didn't care <laughs> that it was maybe <laughs> paced poorly. <laughs> it's just so unique and fun. And maybe because I am an internet denizen and I have experienced both sides of that dynamic (laughs) throughout my 33 years of sad life. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm glad that you didn't like it as much as it felt like you didn't like it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that made sense. I'm glad that it, it's a good show. Watch it or don't, I guess. Next Next up, this, 
uh, Ahiro no Sora, aka Sky of the Duck or something like that. Duck Sky. Duck Sky. <laughs> who cares? It's a basketball show. It's good. It's also bad sometimes. Uh, there's nothing really special about it. Uh, Demon School. Welcome to Demon School Irumakun. Uh, this one I fucking think is hilarious. I remember Duncan not being super into it. It doesn't really change much beyond the first few episodes. It just consistently is what it is. I will not go into that too deeply either. Did it basically <clears throat> stay pun-based? I don't think it was ever really pun-based. Like, it has some puns, but mostly it's just slapstick bullshit. Okay. Puns and slapstick. It, it, it's like... How can I put it, it does not... It It is the same thing throughout, so it, it, I don't think anything happened that would have changed your mind. Hmm. If that's still what your main question is. <laughs> no, I, I quite liked it. It's, it's slapstick moments, but it seemed to have... I I thought it did do puns and they didn't land with me so maybe if it, That's it fair. maybe if it got better in terms and just lent more towards uh, I will the say slapstick that then the moments the moments that i remember are not typically puns or dialogue based it's a lot of slapstick goofy shit that i that i really like mm-hmm. or like or like uh iruma just <clears throat> accidentally being the hero I fucking love that trope in anime, just like this bumbling idiot just accidentally being really good at something and not even trying to be, not even wanting to be. Because he's also trying to specific, trying specifically not to stand out, and yet every action he takes makes him stand out because he's accidentally really good at everything he does. Stupid. But it works because it's a comedy, not a drama. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it, like I said, it's the same thing throughout. Uh, so, goofy kid, human kid in Demon World... Ooh, Bofudi, this one. Yay. Duncan actually liked. <laughs> Bofudi, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. I mean, you've, in a weird way, it's a good way to link it in Imorokun, because like, she's she's an, another accidental hero who, 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 who doesn't exactly try and be who she either sort of world end yeah i mean she she like fumbles her way into being overpowered in the game every single fucking action she takes is like suddenly i'm a mech just (laughs) out of nowhere or i can turn into a giant demon and wipe out every other player at once and it is absurd the final episode was glorious i i just it's like all, all, all throughout it's been just Every single time they've uh, upped the the ante, and in the final episode we have like her final confrontation with the sort of the mysterious super gamer who's been like number one of all the the battles throughout, and who we've just seen yeah, in, yeah. in Shadow, and he's like, "Aha! I shall use my secret move and and chop! Aha!" And it's like, "Oh, it took off half her hit points, and, and actually she's just decided, oh well, I'll actually use my my real my final form." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And just t- basically turns into Godzilla and eats him, then eats his entire party. And then uh, to f- after she's finished destroying the most powerful guild in the game, uh, they-, they go out and literally basically w- start wiping out entire guilds by combining her skill to turn into a giant Godzilla with her companion's skill to make copies of things to create an army of Godzillas. <laughs> it's just... Basically, it was just like fucking mental warfare, just 
cowering or sending everybody cowering into a hole, unable to respond. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The, this this um, this shot, which is which has been pointed out a few times to me, has just been a deliberate rip of the God Warriors marching out of Norsica, and it's just like, <laughs> and it, oh it, yeah. And uh, and, it, and that, that's so yeah. appropriate because that's she's just this super weapon and and I I love that it, it it's it's a show where it's not might makes right it's fun makes right it's it's just like she she's clearly having the most fun of anyone there and yeah. that that's what's in the end has has allowed her to be become this this end boss of this world and I like that it's acknowledged that. Uh, uh, when you sort of cut, you, 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 I don't know if 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 this, if you think this is like realistic, but like, I, I like that they have the devs at the end and sort of like talking about how this person breaking and constantly breaking their world has actually become one of the main attractions of it. People yeah, just yeah, want yeah. to see what she does next. And I think that that's kind of an interesting thing when you like have speed runs and let's plays being such a big part of consciousness now that they weren't even just a few years ago. And like how uh, you, I don't know if it's true, but like the assumption is that um, games now um, sell as much on the value of people uh, streaming them on things like Twitch and making a spectacle out of it, out of it, and mm-hmm. like that. If someone completely breaking a game could actually be what makes people flock towards it, and like that, <laughs> and that, uh, I think that that is probably a bit unrealistic. Mm. I think that most devs, at least I know that I would, <laughs> and a lot of my friends would uh, like appreciate that somebody found a way to do that, but then we wouldn't just let it keep happening because that would definitely ruin the fun for everybody else because then somebody else is also going to do the same exploit the weird thing about what happens in Bofuri is that this game is not a real game right so like they, they have these unique powers that apparently people can only get once like nobody else has that mech and it seems like nobody else is ever going to have that mech or those pets <laughs> or her ability to turn into a demon and all that shit you know like that that her armor her first set of armor I think was supposed to be like she's the only one who has it because she was the first one who beat the dungeon in that way right yeah, I think like yeah. some of them are unique, and some of the like. Th- there's definitely this concept um, within game of the unique games of the unique item, which just takes it to its logical extreme by making them completely unique within the world. Um, yeah, so nobody else can get it. Yeah, and that's that is a cool as fuck idea that would never work out. In <laughs> like it, it will only ever work in a fake video game in a fictional yeah. anime or whatever. <laughs> um. I would love it if somebody could find a way to make it work and be compelling in like a real life video game because I think that that idea is really interesting th- and leads to really cool moments. But it would also lead to somebody in her shoes, but then they're just an asshole. Them, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it's been said a lot. This this is not a series which would be palatable if Maple wasn't just a nice person and generally. Uh, yeah a very enjoyable person to follow along with. Like if, if she was as a typical, I, I like, I th- think it's just so refreshing that, that she's not the typical, like when we, we used to have like, um, uh, virtual things like, um, uh, uh, dot hack and, um, things like, uh, uh, Oblid. what's the MMO, uh, a guild one you and I both used to like, and I've t- Log Horizon. T- yeah, Log Horizon, where the c- central thing of the the main character was still that knowledge, that that 
mastery of what they were doing. Uh, and like that's morphed into isekai in, in recent years. That's, that's why I think like the, the, um, the, the core of that genre comes from like this, this, your useless skill in this world suddenly becomes the most important thing in that world. Mm-hmm. Whereas Maple, it's not that her skill or anything. It's just her enthusiasm. It's just her her joy, and or her her sheer joy and good luck. <laughs> yeah, and naivete, which leads to a lot of stupid things, like when she eats all those bees or whatever it is. Yeah, decides just. To, oh, I'm gonna. How how are you gonna get poison resistance? Well, if I eat this bug, I take one one hit of poison, and and so if I eat all the. Eat this like entire swarm of bugs, and I'll get like <laughs> poison resistance. It is goofy as fuck. Yeah, um, and she's like tucking into them like a a, a a bread or something. She's got them between each hand, going, ow, ow. and it's just like a, a lovely little animation as well. It's yeah, it, yeah. It was like <clears throat> one of the just like most enjoyable se- se- series this season, and like for a good few seasons, it's like just a very pleasant show to be watching i can agree with that um i do have problems with it in that i don't really care about any of the characters even her mm. i just kind of enjoy that nobody's mean yeah <laughs> I, I think that's that's a, that's a valid criticism but equally i think like like if that's not the story it's telling i i feel like like it, risk isn't part of 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 what makes uh, Beaufort interesting. Like, there's, she's not risking getting hurt <clears throat> mentally no, 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 or I, physically. I, that much is fine. I just, like, her personality is not one that yeah. enthuses me. But I enjoyed watching what bullshit she was going to get every yeah, episode. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I liked yeah. that nobody, even the antagonists, were not, like, mean people. They were just playing the game and having fun. Like, <laughs> and, and, like, the leader of the... The fire, like yeah, the fire, the fire guild. Like <laughs> yeah. Her just being like a fucking. She didn't want to be the leader. She just became the leader because she's so strong, and she's always crying when she's outside of everybody's vision. Like that's funny. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, just and, like, and, like feels like she has to keep up a public uh, a thing, yeah. and, and just gets overwhelmed by it in private. It's like, oh no, I'm not good. And enough. then she starts I'm crying when down. she loses to she loses to uh, the main character whose name I forgot, uh, Maple. Yeah, so she loses to Maple, and she's like, "I didn't, why did I lose? This isn't fair." And it's fucking, it's good, but like, yeah, I mean, I liked that stuff. I just didn't really care about any of the characters, except for maybe Maple's friend, whose name I also forgot. Yeah, she she she's, she's an inter- she's kind of interesting because like she's, she's fun because she's like the power gamer, mm. but she still can't get as powerful as Maple. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think like part of her her arc is to stop being as much of a power gamer by and like finding ways to enable her friends' fun rather than to make them play the game the way she she's used to, and like just mm-hmm. accepting like well this is going to be a bit chaotic but I can still like show show off my mastery within it rather than like some of the other guys who are like oh this is uh, we've got to. Uh, play this optimally and yeah it's just i think in the end it was just it's just a good time and it's it's not it's not heavy it doesn't particularly have a uh a, a plot even it's just yeah it's hard to say a plot it's just the same yeah, thing happening ex- true. exponentially every episode like there's no no story really it's just every 
the time maple does something a bit sillier and <laughs> they they their circle of friends uh gets a bit larger and yeah that was it <laughs> yep that's pretty much it that's the show it's it's a good show mm-hmm. i yeah even my complaint like I, it's, it's such a minor thing to me for because that's not even why i was watching the show uh yeah it's good watch it or don't uh, next on my list, <laughs> Darwin's Game. Um, this is one of those uh, stories where somebody gets dragged into this violent survival game outside of their own will. <laughs> Talk about a tone um, shift. Yeah, so he basically his friend like sends an invitation to this mobile game called Darwin's Game, and when he clicks on it, this little fucking snake crawls out of his phone, bites him in the neck, and he has a new superpower. <clears throat> um, and so it's one of those shows it's not particularly original it's i don't really have anything to say about it it's just a good version of that show like it does it competently as opposed to something like say king's game which was something i watched last year like i have a sort of morbid fascination with these games where some asshole forces a bunch of people to kill each other (laughs) uh king's game was really bad darwin's game is actually pretty good uh, it's fun. It also it a lot of it is because it has fun action moments. Um, the characters don't all have to die. Like they team up, they make a guild, and then they do stuff. Um, <clears throat> it's fun. I don't watch it or don't. Uh, <laughs> you can't, that's my you new can't say that for guess. every single show. <laughs> I can and I will. Keep your hands off, Azo can. Hey, everybody, watch this except for people who didn't. Uh, yeah, we all watched this, didn't we? Yeah, we all watched it. Plus Andy, um, plus Andy, who's not here. Anyway, I loved it a lot. I thought it was great. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought that it that it got kind of a little bit saccharine at the end, but it was it was fine all the way through. I like every character got like their arc and everyone kind of got their moment in the sun. I know that Duncan and I talked a lot about Kawamori being like the kind of character you don't usually get to see in shows about animation where the producer is like the cool helpful person and not the tyrant who's ruining their lives. And yeah. I like how much she overlapped with producers that I know in real life. <laughs> in what way? Falling asleep all the time or being really like... Uh, no, just like actually trying to help people and not like... Because like you said, a lot of times producers are portrayed as like these obstacles rather than uh, helpful parts of the team. Yeah. You know? And most producers I know are actually part of the team. They're not just trying to get people to do shit that, or stopping people from doing shit that they want to do. Like they're working too. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Like that. It's very funny, like, to spoiler a bit for, like, next season. Like, I'm walking, watching Kakushi Goto, uh, and, like, man, Koshi Kumata hates his editor, <laughs> is, I think, the, that's the <laughs> sense I think we get. Because, like, yeah, he, like, his editor is just completely useless and only causes him work and only annoys him. And it's just nice not to have, like, because I think that's, as someone who's often involved in organizing their friends to do stuff, like you do feel like the bad guy for being the mm-hmm. one like, no, you can't have fun. We've got to do the boring thing. And I, th- I appreciate that Kalamori <laughs> like kind of glamorizes being the, the, the buzzkill friend who makes everyone do the work they need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 cause I was watching the beginning of the show around the same time I was watching Shirobako and it's, you know, two very different ways of sort of talking about the same thing of like the creative process and not only, you know, creating your, you know, creative dreams, but also working within the limitations and finding the opportunities and the inspirations that you wouldn't necessarily expect them and 
presenting one as sort of like a very grounded, very gritty uh, procedural like it does in Shirobako versus uh, in uh, Eizouken where it's almost presented like a fairy tale. Uh, it It's interesting in the way it, you know, the way it highlights different things, the way it, uh, you know, it, it tells the same story in different ways. I did notice that uh, the Azokin version of the story is sort of like a libertarian fairy tale. I can I can go into this, <laughs> but like, uh, <laughs> why not? Because because like all of like 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 Kanemori like is like you know one of the best characters, but like she sort of like is always towing the line, you know, just sort of like stepping over the bounds of like what they're allowed to do as a school group. Mm-hmm. Like all of like anything that would represent like a government. Like, you know, specifically in like, you know, the school council who kind of like rules over the school like you do in anime is only ever like it's it's just capricious and arbitrary and is only ever in their way, you know, versus Katamori's, you know, engagement with the market is only ever uh, like mutually beneficial and liberatory. And it's interesting, you know, when you sort of like, you know, tell the fairy tale version of the anime industry, it just becomes like sort of like the fairy tale version of, you know, of all industry. And right, the yeah, fact that I all of now. the uh, all of the impediments, like in the in the in the in the first arc, like all of the the roadblocks and impediments is like mostly you know access to equipment, access to funds, and things like that. And it it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, especially since you know they just you know used guts and hard work to have the best anime that anybody had ever seen, and in thirty days somehow. And as the show progresses, it deals a lot more with sort of the ambiguities of. Uh, like Asakura's struggles to be uh, a good director and uh, Katamori, you know, gaining an appreciation for uh, like Asakura's like tendencies to sort of like go off on tangents, you know, without really understanding that, you know, she has to be able to do that to find the good ideas. You know, it's not just about like doing the work in front of you and, you know, it's, it's, it's finding opportunities in a, in a different way than she is doing. And like, I thought that stuff worked a lot better. Uh, but yeah, like, I think it like, you know, when you sort of reduce these kinds of stories to, you know, to a fairy tale, it's interesting which ones, you know, which parts of them are sort of elevated as being like heroic and pure and other things are sort of denigrated as being just like pure impediments. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree too. And like, I don't know, I, I, I did enjoy it too. And I, I liked the, my initial like kind of wondering like, oh, are they just going to like every time they have a challenge, they're just going to find a locker full of supplies that will like solve their challenge. But like the final thing with the, with the like shopping arcade video was them just like bad communication and having to like find how to work without, without, and granted they still like through guts and hard work, got it done. But it was, I, th- I thought it was, it was very good. It's a, it's going to be an interesting companion piece to Shirabako where only before existed like, animation runner Karomi or something when it comes mm-hmm. to like other anime about the anime industry. So yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that they didn't make it more than it was. And I'm glad that it's like, I think that Yuasa is showing like a lot more focus and like ability to scope himself and not just end every show with like a wacky, like hyper stylized fantastical chase scene. Um, well, I mean, but... they also had that, but it was, you know, yes. <laughs> it was a diegetic, you know, anime in the show, so he gets to go hog wild with the animation in the end. Yeah, it does but... seem like the perfect way to for him to like rein in his impulses. <laughs> I will not. I will not allow this slander. You have to take that. Take that all back. I'm going to delete it because I'm editing. <laughs> <laughs> Yuasa's the best. 
So what you're saying is is the editors are evil and overpowered, and yeah. they're, they're a tyrant who would uh, stifle others' creativity, John. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What? Uh, so like, There's no proof of this in the... <laughs> that, that's true. The, this is... This, <laughs> <laughs> this, um, this never I would say happened. that, because you brought up Shirobako, I feel like Shirobako is one of those... It's like a show about trying to find the joy of making anime in the hellscape that is reality, uh-huh. whereas uh, Azuken's more like just pure joy and then like a little sprinkling of reality, but only to add and amplify the joy, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, they're mm-hmm. going for different things, and I really like that, and I, I come out enjoying Azuken a lot more because I fuck reality. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, it, reality, reality it definitely, you, actually. It definitely but, has yeah. like a, <laughs> exactly. a sense of like the problems are all real things, and then all the solutions... Uh, bloom into the fantastical it's like yeah. there's this one shot in the final episode which i i love which is just like kanamori is in in bed ill and they've they've gone and gone to visit her and and, and little gremlin as I, I like to think of the the director is just is is, is just sitting at her, her bedside and is she's like have you have you finally th- you thought thought of a solution to that problem and she's like Puts, gets a big grin on her face and just gets this book and opens it to the screen and like this this f- animation flies out of the book and it's like her like that's like for me like the perfect encapsulation of Isaac and as as a show like the solution to problems being the fantastical and like the joy of that that solution being being in like transcendent rather and the problems being like what drags you down back into the mud and mm-hmm. there's definitely a sense that Shirobako is a lot more constantly in the trenches digging through that mud whereas um Isaac and breaks free and, and soars away a, a lot more often um, it romanticizes the moments of success instead of dwelling on the failures yeah which mm-hmm. is uh, what did you guys think of Misasawa's arc? Uh, the, like the animation nerd. Like I personally, I thought a lot of the drama of like you know her family doesn't want her to do it, and you know she's too much of a perfectionist. Like like none of those things really paid off for me. And like 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 because it's kind of resolved in the mm-hmm. in the end, at the end of the second arc where you know her parents find out what she's doing. And then they come to confront her and take her away from it. But then they see her work and they realize that, oh, she's actually very good at this. And this is what we want for her. And yeah. all that just kind of goes away. I feel like her, she was of the characters, the one who is more representing a principle than an actual person in production. Like she was like there to say, okay, what's special about animation? How How can animation do something which film cannot, which normal acting cannot and that's this these like you know one thing which i think i i've brought up a couple of times in which i'm i'm sure you guys have is when a show picks a detail and and makes it hyper real by focusing in on that and enhancing it and that was her entire thing it was like this this memory for details which she could then use to um lend things weight and yeah she felt more like this is a character who is about what can make animation something which is different and a a 
it's it's like some people say, oh well, well, why not just just film that? Why are you why bother animating it? And she's the answer to why animate something rather than the answer to what's it like to be a director or what's it like to try and uh, work as a someone who is sorting out practical problems for creatives. She was just more of a um, an a representation of the medium than a, a representation of the craft. She's she's the other two were focused on the craft. She was about the medium. That was just perhaps me going off on one. <laughs> no, no, that makes that makes sense. I mean, I I liked it fine because I think that the pressure of her parents not disapproving of her parents not approving was more important than whether or not they actually did. So once it resolved, it resolved very neatly. But I think a lot of the the problems, resolutions in Izuken are fairly neat, quickly, neatly resolved once they become a, come to a crisis point because it's about how people approach a problem, not necessarily how they solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like with her character, especially like her fascination with her grandmother, how she would toss out the leaves of the tea um, and trying to recreate that. And I think that they... Like, her flashback is the resolution to her, like, character issue where, you know, it's hard to recreate these things in real life, as Duncan said. And it's, e- it's easy to recreate some very difficult things in animation. Um, and I, like, she does come off as more of a principal in that respect. But I do think that just, like, it's funny that once her parents, like, are out of the picture, then the, stu- then the, uh, the school leadership and the student council immediately replace them as, like, the people basically saying the same thing like y'all can't do this y'all can't so i so i don't know i i don't think it was a a good or bad implementation but i do think that it's it's more about the build up than the execution because the execution's always going to be this fantastic animation that they've done at the end of the uh each of the four episode mini arcs so i kind of liked kanamori's uh, checkmate on the school council which is basically go out do the good do the good thing, get a positive buzz so that other people can't stop you. Which yeah. kind of makes, makes me think, oh, like, has USA ever had a project where, like, it's been going badly and and he was expecting it to be cancelled and then suddenly it's caught, caught fire and, and, like, just positive <laughs> social media is the only thing which has kept it running. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Well, which which character was your favorite? Was it Kanamori? Seems like all yours was Kanamori. Yeah, yeah, I love Kanamori. Yeah, I loved her design. I sure. loved her performance. I loved her role in the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked Asak. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean the little awesome. goblin? Her, her, her approach and like way of doing things is like my ideal existence. <laughs> of course, reality doesn't support that. She would not survive in reality, but. Yeah, I think that was the that was the what that was my main problem with it is that like getting constantly distracted by things and running off down different avenues is something that happens to me a lot of the time and it's not something which is useful to me it's something which is an absolute pain in the ass and I have to struggle to deal with and like that yeah, I find that it is useful to me but it's just not something that the world around me will tolerate yeah, is more yeah, what I meant. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like, it's something I, if I am able to do that, I come out feeling a lot better about whatever I'm working on. Mm-hmm. But because I'm not allowed to do that, basically, it just doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It's a good show, though. Mm-hmm. Watch it or don't. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not letting you make this a thing. I refuse to. 
high I stopped Andy. I can more, stop you. It's more of high and you know, watch it or don't. Uh, <laughs> you can't stop him. He's the editor. Yeah. It's going to happen. Cat's face goes burr. <laughs> uh, let's see. No brain poison um, in this podcast. What the hell? <laughs> I've got three more left, guys. Yeah, let's get through this, please. Do, 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 do. Let's go with Isekai Quartet 2, aka Isekai Quintet 1, aka Isekai Sextet 1. <laughs> yes. More of the same. Anybody else watch it? I forget. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, you watched it. Was it was fun. It was good. It was more of the same. Yeah. Uh, they did add the shield hero. I am. So so happy that he plays a very small part in the show. Well, he's not it's, he's not that a, a, a funny of a character, right? So he doesn't really belong. He's not, uh, he, but his like stoic attitude does lend itself well to comedy. You know, him as a straight man, blah blah blah. Luckily, though, they just don't use him a lot. Mm. I feel like he was kind of <clears throat> this is popular at the moment. We'll shoehorn it. Yeah, in I feel like he was a last minute addition just because it was so popular, yeah. and not because they really wanted him to be there. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also had. We mentioned before recording they had the main characters from uh, Cautiously Overpowered Hero, yeah, whatever it's called. The, 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 that cameo actually made me laugh because you, you they just come out outside. There's a huge battle going on inside the, this this school, and they sort of come outside the gates, and it's like, and the the the, the sort of like uh, healer characters like, oh, we should go in and help them, and he's like. Mm, no and they, they just, just walk off <laughs> and it's, it's, it's literally like a 10 second scene and then they never show up again it's pretty good and like the one weakness of that show is that it has one joke and it keeps repeating it and in this case they just do the one joke and then they leave and, and that's that's all we needed yeah i feel i mean it's hard for me to really say because it it's been a long time but i feel like i didn't enjoy the season as much as the first one and it might be because Maybe. the jokes were re- yeah. repeating but Either way, it was still fucking funny, and it made me laugh a lot, so I'm not complaining that it exists. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 yeah. it remains the same as with the first season. If you like Konosuba, or you like ReZero, or you like Shield Hero, or you like Overlord, if you like any of those se- series individually, you'll enjoy, it's an enjoyable mishmash, and you'll get something out of it. Mm-hmm. I think you get the most out of it if you watch all of them, yeah. but Very you true. don't have to, honestly. You don't have to. Um, all right. Cool. Next. Um, Toilet Bound Hanako-kun is... This is actually my favorite show this season. Um, <laughs> wow. And I'm and I'm not going to be able to explain why. Uh, <clears throat> Jeff watched this as well, uh, didn't he? I've Jeff watched, watched the first, a few episodes. Like, I don't think okay. I finished it. I've, I've really liked what I've watched. Like, it's... The, the animation style is kind of like kind of like Flash. Like, it's very limited, but like, visually, like, the design of the show is gorgeous. And, I, and, that, and, and it has the, like, mm-hmm. the wacky... Japanese ghost mythology stuff, so all of that has been, I've just been yumming that up. It's been great. The seven school mysteries and like, so Hanako Hanako Kun is one of the seven mysteries. He lives in the girls' bathroom in the toilet, and main character uh-huh. summons him in order to fall in, in order to make the guy she likes fall in love with him. Shit goes wrong, of course. He saves her, and then she like becomes his sort of servant, uh, and then. Life goes on, and so the bulk of the show is basically you have the seven school, you have the seven mysteries of the school, and then you have these rumors about them, and that's what shapes how they actually act. And somebody's been spreading rumors to make them more and more dangerous, and so they have to go and like hmm. you know figure out what the fuck's wrong and like make those spirits calm down, or sometimes just defeat them. Um, so that's, that's an interesting and, conceit. Like, so it's it's like they're, they're harmless rumors, and someone's been making them into more dangerous ones. I wouldn't say they're harmless to start with, but yes, like cool. they 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 go from uh, like 
sort of harmful but not malicious to straight up malicious. Okay. Yeah, if you like that, you should watch a little show called Inspector. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was gonna say it, it very much follows what Jeff has now decided is the monogatari pattern. No, I acknowledge that it was not that. I just called it that because it's the first first place I saw it. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'm just I'm just bringing it back, bring it around full circle. Uh, it, it it does that thing where like you know when people believe in something it becomes real. So one of the, the boogie pop phantom I, I think is actually what what it is. <laughs> could be. I never watched that. I actually wanted to watch. You should watch the, boogie pop phantom. I wanted to watch it when it came back, but that was like a sequel series, and then I never watched. It was. It it's not a sequel. It's like a remake slash oh. like side cool. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll watch it one day. It's been on my list for so long. I th- yeah. If you watched Paranoia Agent, you've watched probably watched the best parts of Boogie Pop Phantom, but I haven't watched Paranoia Agent either. Oh, okay, sorry. I'll just. I guess that's also the Paranoia Agent thing, isn't it? Too. Yeah. Yeah, really. Believe me, well, I guess believe now I have to watch that. It's it's stolen from it's stolen from Book about Phantom. So, All right. uh, anyway, uh, one thing I really want to call out is the voice actor for Hanako-kun is fucking fantastic. I don't know who the fuck it is. I don't know if I've ever heard him before. But he's really, really good, and I cannot explain why I think that way. I just know that he is, and everyone will no, agree with me. It is a, a really good performance. Like I've I've noticed that the VAs on the show are fantastic. Uh, you, He's got this would like be... subtle way of coming off as menacing, but also like not actually menacing. And uh, I wish I had Hanako Kun, to... right? Huh? Hanako Kun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Megumi Ogata, also known as the voice of Shinji from Evangelion. Whoever that is, <laughs> she, it's a lady. <laughs> uh, she's she does yeah. She's like she's been working since like 1992. She's great. Like. Well, tons of good okay. performances. She, she's fucking good in this. Good. I don't know about anything else she's been in. She's <laughs> fucking good in this. I don't. I don't feel like Shinji's voice acting ever stood out to me. But it's a lot. It's a lot of screaming. Really hooked me. She's so. also Sailor Uranus. She's also uh, like yeah. She's she's in a lot of stuff. You you've, I've you've never definitely seen heard Japanese Sailor Moon. Uh, that's, that sucks. <laughs> you suck. No, you suck. Uh, <laughs> but she's great. She's uh she's in a lot of stuff, and she's always good, and she's always like. Yeah, uh, she's Kumagawa in Medica Box when Jeff eventually gets it. to that. She's, I'm gonna go with I don't know who the fuck this is because I've never heard her before. She's a she's, she's a great. big fucking deal. So and good good. Toilet Bound Hanako-kun is the best show from last season, and watch it. Cool or not or don't cool or no no, no watch just, it. just watch it. <laughs> See, he's he's tricked you. He's tricked uh, you. Okay, my last one: Somali in the Forest Spirit. Jeff also watched this, so I, I talk about it alone. Yes. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really fucking sweet and cute and adorable, and I want to, I want to marry that golem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> best golem dad. The whole yeah. yeah, it's a great show. Uh, uh you want to talk about it? Uh, you want me to go on about it again? Go on, dude. I've talked a lot. I I need somebody else to not let my throat die. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is like this is a world. This is one of like John's favorite things. It's like a post-human world. Uh, where you know there used to be people and <laughs> yeah, monsters living reasons, together, <laughs> yeah. But then, like you know, because people suck, they were all terrified of the monsters, and so the monsters were like, "Fine, we'll just kill you and eat you." And so now, human beings have been reduced to like chattel if they exist at all. Uh, a little girl gets separated from like a slave caravan they never really dwell too much on what happened to her in her past uh but this forest spirit this golem finds her and sort of begrudgingly starts taking care of her because she imprints on him like a baby duck and you know over 
a period of time he realizes that oh my my time is running out like a, a golem lasts for a thousand years and he's about to die and so he's like okay i'm gonna find a human settlement that i can take her to so that she can go on and like he's you know, I have no emotions, you know, this is just the most practical thing for me to do, and the whole series is basically him slowly realizing that, oh yeah, I am actually her dad, and I will die to protect her, and is, you know, basically, you know, a bunch of vignettes of, you know, the importance of uh, family, and the importance of, uh, you know, uh, you know, of those connections, and, you know, lots of fun, sort of, like adventures and whatnot and also just the you know a rumination on the on bigotry and on like hatred of the other uh which is yeah and she's very much the ignorant kid who is like why would i have to hate you you're not you're just cool you're just a nice guy whereas you know everybody else is like oh fuck humans or humans fuck monsters they're all bad yeah it's it's She's that ignorant kid who brings everybody together, and it's so nice. Yeah. The can I ask a question from you two? Like the mm-hmm. I I watched I enjoy, I enjoyed what I watched of it. But I can't remember even why I dropped it, but the like early on there was like this wonderfully colorful world and this really sweet relationship between her and the golem. But there was also these moments of menace uh, around the way her naivety naivete uh played in with a world which was prepared to take advantage of that like in particular like there was a a cat spirit which lured her into a a, a trap and was gonna work well it's implied is going to eat her and i just mm-hmm. wondered did, did did that stuff reoccur or was it generally yeah. more oh yeah yeah that's like a that's yeah, like it basically it gets worse yeah, like that's like the major sort of peril of the show is that human beings are basically treated as, you know, either vermin or like a delicacy. And so one of the golem's top concerns is making sure that like he has to reveal who, you know, what Somali is to as few people as possible. And so but that also results in him being, you know, having to take risks because he can't ask for help. And hmm. Somali mm-hmm. being a child, you know, she doesn't have any real understanding of the danger she's in. So she, you know, she wants to make friends. She wants to, you know, explore. And, you know, the, the, the tension of him, like wanting to take care of her without necessarily understanding why he wants to. And hit mm-hmm. and like, you know, and the genuine danger of the world, like it isn't like a fairy tale world where everybody is like fine. And like, you know, they don't resolve, you know, hatred and bigotry by the end of the show. It's just like, you know, this is like oh, yeah, an ever present danger in the show. And, okay. uh, it, and it gets like, it gets pretty spooky by the end because like, you know, you know, human hunters find them right at the very end. And, you know, it almost ends very badly. And yeah, like, I don't know, and the golem's like falling apart by the end. Like he yeah. uses an arm. It, he's in serious trouble and still trying to take care of her. And she is weak. She doesn't know what she's doing. Mm hmm. Uh, and, but, you know, yeah. he's made other friends along the way, thankfully, and then they managed to, like, get through it. But, like, she is by no means safe now, and the world is by no means better cool. yet. Yeah. So oh, maybe maybe that's a series I might revisit, because I, I, I just enjoyed it. But there's just so much going on on that, that this season that I wasn't <clears throat> able to keep up. Hey, I watched 17 shows. <laughs> and it is, like, like a, it's, a, it's a visually beautiful show. Like, all, oh, so like, pretty. Every, mm, yeah. every character design is... Uh, is imaginative like the world is like beautiful like if you just enjoy 
the visual aspects of anime, which I know you do. Like, I think you'll just get a lot out of it, even if you don't really connect to the story. And as for the story, like, I would be deeply shocked if the original writer was not apparent because they so deeply understand the anxiety of trying to take care of a child who seems determined to get themselves killed <laughs> while also like allowing them to be a child is mm. like very like it's spot on it's really good oh, cool so does anyone That's else it, guys for me yeah does anyone I, else have I, anything? I have i have one more um one. i mentioned this briefly uh well i think we have more to, we'll probably have more to say about yours and mine um i watched the show by rock spinoff show by rock mashu um it's fine uh i would have i like it really is like at the very end they have um they have the main girl whose name i cannot like you could put a gun to my head and i could not tell you what her name is um it's like it's like huron or something i don't know um haran but uh she runs into uh the girl who's the main character from the main show by rock series and they like do a joke about how they're the exact same character. And that's kind of at the level <laughs> that show by rock. They like, they're both like, you're in a band. It's like band to show. It's like band. And they're like, this, you know, like, that's so nice. It's like, uh, Ina. and yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're both like mirroring each other as they're, as they're doing this. Uh, if you want more show by rock, you should watch show by rock. Mashu Myresh. Um, the main appeal is that the other band, the B plot, uh, is about a band of delinquents. Each of them was the king of one of their schools that have been forced together into one big school, and they're like now four delinquents, and they can't get along because they're all used to being the biggest fish in the pond, and so they're made to join a band because this is uh, this is Midi City, so <laughs> everything is solved by being part of a band. Um, but they're just very funny because they they fight all the time, and one of them cheats, and uh, they like get actually sent off to like a reward a training camp, and they get sent off to like distant far north russia by accident where they end up like competing against the the salaryman band from the previous show and yeah it's just it's it's fine it's like the classic seven out of ten anime where like you're never not enjoying it when you're watching it but it's it has no impact and it's just Hmm. more show by rock it was very i did find myself like kind of getting a bit excited at the very end because they just have like all the bands like logos flashing up on the screen with like all the members like shouting out the name and so just like like 12 different bands in a row from the the main show and the spin-off show and then being like show by rock season three and i'm like okay cool i'll probably watch show by rock season three <laughs> i'll keep disappointing andy it's fine like the music's okay it's got like it's very weird that i've come to the awareness that sanrio's got kind of got like a mean slash sarcastic edge to it in this in addition to being like the cutesy animal show um, but between this and between show by rock and uh Agretzko, it was just funny to like oh yeah they kind of have like weird like mean-spirited jokes in between all like the cuddly like let's be friends uh nonsense so yeah i wouldn't recommend it to anybody who's not already interested in watching a bunch of sanrio characters be in a band hmm. um and have and have like a bunch of delinquent jokes like if you like like stupid belligerent delinquent jokes they're like ah, ah, and they're like you know getting more and more in each other's faces until they're just like pushed up against each other um if you like that joke you'll like 40 percent of show by rock mash you <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
hopefully the other 60% will also I mean, be okay. And an important question for me and John, is one of the delinquents a pompadour? Or are all of them pompadours? No, none of them. <laughs> Although one of them is a bee and he has a stinger on his head. So all his only move is headbutting people. Um, and he, and he, and he ends every, he ends every fight, like stuck in the wall, like, like <laughs> his head, cause he just headbutt, he like missed them and headbutt the wall and he's like stuck and he's like, help. Uh, no, the best is one who looks like a fucking re- reject Jojo character. Where he's got like these huge flowing golden locks. Cause he's a, he's a lion cause they're all animals. Um, and he just cheats like, uh, and they have like one of the songs they play at the final conference concert at the end is called like metal plate in my bag. Cause that's like one of his favorite cheats is to like mm. block, try to block with his bag. But there's like, he's got like a steel plate in it and they break their hand on the steel plate. And they're like, Oh man, how'd you do? He's like, I have a steel plate in my bag. I'm like, that's really shady. <laughs> I've told this joke before on the podcast, but it's, it continues to be funny. Um, he has sand in his pockets. Um, he like, they had like a race and he like started running before they fired off the, the gun and then claimed that he'd hear he'd heard them fire and refused to admit that he was cheating. Um, that's another running joke. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's the kind of humor where if they just repeat it and it eventually gets funny because they, they make the joke like six times and at, at the end you're like, fine, fine. I guess it's funny. You, you've used it so many times you've worn me down. So Yeah. And oh. now for the last show of the season. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm in the annoying position of having not much to say about what probably ended up being my favorite show of the season, which is um, Blade of the Immortal, uh, which had its second. I'll give you something to say. Why? I thought it was boring. Um, because it's. I'm like the... eight episodes in and I'm like, I wanted to finish watching it just so I could talk it's, about it's... it with you, but I didn't even. I just didn't. Well, uh, part of I, I understand why, where you're coming from, John, because like I, I would definitely say it's at the end of its first arc. I was like, yeah, this is all right. It's all right. It's not anything special, but it, it's I, I quite enjoy Man, Manji and Rin, and and I and I think the, the the thing which changed was I I at the end of the first season I was I, the, some of the the supporting cast were beginning in, in to make more of an impression. I. And in the second season, they're really allowed that. So, Blades of the Immortal is a typical samurai, samurai revenge tale. You have uh, a Rin, who is the daughter of a dojo, which is wiped out by a rival dojo, and Manji, a the immortal slayer of a hundred, who is... Uh, abetting her in order to, to atone for uh, his own misdeeds in his past. And the first season is basically them tracking down the members of this gang of people who just believe might is right. That typical um, uh, samurai bad guy antagonist, the, 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 the group who just believe you, you win at all costs, you fight however dirty as you have to be to win. And yeah, it's a reasonable version of that particular trope while it's doing that. But when it starts to get interesting is when, okay, what happens when you bring a third um, faction in and you start seeing people um, talking to each other? The entire, basically, the entire second season is, uh, uh, like the, uh, the bar where the villains meet and talk. It's all about people, these three factions sort of intermingling, where they're, uh, 
their interests meet and diverge and that how these how this the poison of this person's desire for revenge has just like spread out into society and ruined people's lives and you just in the same way that um the best shows do that it has gone and made those people's lives interesting and and given them really good dialogue and it i know that he's a very divisive director um but it sort of reminds me of the way um tarantino does dialogue not in terms of the way he that it's like people throwing out f-bombs and pop culture references but Although it'd be cool if it was. But in sort of the way that everyone <laughs> is just this shitty criminal and none of them are mm. like, there's a couple of them who are just like insanely competent, but the majority of them are just people who've got sucked into this and just want to make it out alive. And they're, they're worn down and they're fed up and they just, just can't we just not survive this? Is there not a way we can get get out of this without <laughs> ruining more people's lives? And like, it's it's really interesting just to see this this set of people just like bouncing off each other, and uh, it being like not big speeches but little conversations. Like, because like shows like. Um, which you may bring up like Rony Kenshin, which have, which oh, just, was... <laughs> just have like <laughs> these big speeches of why Mike doesn't write, make right or why Mike does make right or, or why I am no longer going to use my sword for ill or whatever. Like this doesn't have that. This just has like lots of little conversations about, and you see how, and you get people build, built uh, instead of, a monologue creating like this this image of them it's just like this series of of vignettes of of what makes up their life and their personality and just building this overall feeling of what they're like and i i really enjoyed it it, it was um just like very different from what i'm i was expecting yeah uh, like midway through the first season and like yeah just like this be- it becoming like this just big villain bar where everyone's chatting to each other and the other thing was it also had an ama- amazing sound sound design like just the the best sound design i've heard for years like just absolute breathtaking at times um and i just it's just like i i i, I lack, lack the words to say what it does really that um but it, it just like could completely change the mood on a dime uh it was it was so strong at times and like it's got criticized by a, f- a few people because it's took a really different take on um fighting as well it um its director likes to cut a lot and not just to cut like to a different angle to, to cut to a different sort of um different zoom or a different uh viewpoint and just do it it's really disorientating in the fights the fights are not like these smoothly flowing bits of action where you know what's going on it's like sometimes you'll lose track of who's doing what 
and it at first I thought like, oh it's just, just bad but like by by the latter episodes it becomes clear like he he's just using this this to get across the way he, that these these fights are like they're they're not these um events where two people run past each other and make one single slash and it, it's and one person staggers away they're these like chaotic melees where uh whoever gets the last blow comes down to like as much chance and misfortune as anything else and yeah i just think it's like a really interesting take on the revenge tale where the you have like the typical uh protagonist who is trying to make up for his past misdeeds by killing a hundred evil men turns out not to be the one who has the has the answer it's it's the woman who who tries who realizes that revenge just leads to more revenge and just abandons it and goes out and tries to make peace with the lives of all the families her actions have have caused harm to and yeah it's just like a, an interesting in, in take on it and so yeah that's me <laughs> no it's, it sounds like it and i mean like i think that I mean, I talked a lot about how Rurouni Kenshin kind of solved the, like, might-makes-right problem of almost every uh, samurai samurai piece of media out there. Um, but, like, I do think that there's interesting multiple angles of attack from from Rurouni Kenshin to Shigurui to apparently Blade of the Immortal. Um, one way that's not successful, uh, I actually finally, for some bizarre reason, I think I was just too tired to focus on a, on episodes of a show I was watching is i watched the new kyoto arc uh for roni kenshin which was several years ago reanimated the signature uh arc of the uh of roni kenshin as two 50-minute ovas um and they ruined it <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know how, i don't know how else to like say it like so well i mean it's it's the thing is like the 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 kyoto arc is like 30 or 40 episodes worth of stuff it's like 20 episodes of build-up and the 20 episodes of actually the kyoto arc as we like hear about uh about the the antagonist makoto who's the assassin who stepped into the uh to kenshin's place when he left um which has a lot of the historical inevitability that we often see in samurai dramas of like well if you're not going to be the killer someone else will be the killer so the question of like what's the moral weight of you doing the killing and trying to like be a humane person as a murderer versus leaving and letting someone else take on that debt and in both the show and in the ovas the the, the new kyoto arc ovas there's this idea that um that Rurouni Kenshin saved his soul, but someone else's soul, Makoto's got, soul, got destroyed instead. Um, and like he it literally got burned alive by his handlers when they realized he was getting too strong, which is a very extreme response. But he survived, and now he's like his body temperature is always super elevated, and he's wearing bandages, and he's like basically a walking corpse um, of a, like a burned man um, who just wants to like destroy the government because he. He intuits that the government, the new government, is weak. 
the Meiji government this week and that like by bringing it down, something better will replace it because struggle is always better and only the strongest deserves to rule and blah, 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 blah. And when he finds out that Kenshin's looking for him, uh, he wants to fight Kenshin because whoever deserves to like see this future come about is obviously the one who's the strongest enough in a battle. Um, so either he kills Kenshin and therefore Kenshin is proven to be weak and undeserving of rule or Kenshin kills him. And not only is Kenshin made a hypocrite with his like, I'm not going to kill people anymore, but he's going to, but uh, he is also like proving. Yeah. So that's the idea. And in the show, um, they have a series of battles where he's got all these people who've despaired and who've decided that burning down the whole thing is the way to go. And eventually, um, after a series of confrontations, uh, while they're fighting, he his body temperature raises up so much that he self-immolates. Uh, and Kenshin, like the only way to beat someone who believes that might is right is to not fight them or to like let them destroy themselves is, is the answer that the show comes up with. And in the OVAs... Um, they just have Kenshin cut his fucking head in half, and then they're like, "Well, that's that." Like well, he hit, really, like he hits him. He hits really. him. He's got this like metal headband, and like, and Kenshin's like sword strikes the headband and, and reverberates off. And in the show, like he like his head splits apart, and he kind of pushes it together, and it's more of like, "Oh, you can't kill him. He's just so fucking angry. Like he's basically undead at this point." But this like. His head splits apart and he pushes it back together and then he falls over and dies. And it's just a perfect emblem of how like this show, like this OVA didn't need to happen. It looks kind of better. All the fights are really, really slow or like really fast and um, like not a lot happens. And there's a bunch of like cuts around and then one of them's dead and you don't really get to see them fight. And they don't have enough room to do the full plot where, where the antagonist is like rage and bile is self-destructive no he just gets his head cut in half <laughs> like oh it's it's so weird that they that they remade this and they chose to like make it like so much worse uh i don't know why and it's supposed to like cleanly slot into the show where you just like stop watching the show at some point and watch the ovas instead and then start watching the show again after the ovas end although i don't know why you would because at that point the best parts of Ruin Kenshin by far are over and you just have a bunch of filler and then a non-ending uh, and then some very good OVAs for the, for the trust and betrayal stuff. But yeah, it's, it was just really weird to watch it. Cause I was like, why did this need to be made? There's so much samurai stuff out there and it's all got some vaguely sententious things to say about like the burden of being a killer and the question of like, can a society change and can violence change a society or does violence become the society, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, it was very weird to watch that. And it just like, while you're talking, while you were talking about Blade of the Immortal, I could think it's like, man, it's not hard to do it better than the new Kyoto arc, but it sounds like they did. Uh, yes. So update on a show that's like six, seven years <laughs> old and is bad and is also, is it, is itself an update of a show that's six, seven years older than that. And also largely bad. I don't know. Rooney Kenshin kind of killed shonen battlers for me because it's just like the one that i kept watching long after i'd stopped enjoying it and now like trying to watch the rest of stardust crusaders i'm just like oh god they're gonna fight and then the guy's gonna lose which is not fair but still anyway <laughs> are we excited for the the new season anyone excited for anything in particular i know jeff's no. anti-excited for snafu 3 not happening yeah that's a bummer um anime's dead to me now <laughs> Oh, already you did it. That was your Viking funeral yeah. for anime. Yeah, I'm done. 
Uh, um, I'm, so, I'm watching okay. Villainous and excited to talk about that. I'm watching, uh, sorry, um, uh, my my new next life as a villainist, all routes lead to doom. And I'm also watching K- uh, Kakushi Goto, if you couldn't tell from me bringing it up earlier. So I'm also I'm watching Kakushi Goto, my life as a villainist, blah, 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 Tower of God, <laughs> Ascendance of a Bookworm 2. <laughs> And I'm sure more, yeah. but I haven't actually looked at the full list. So It's a weird season, and a lot of stuff's getting cancelled because there's a pandemic going on, which is yeah, fair. Like a, that's lame. Yeah. Is it fair? Is it fair? Uh, we, we, are, we are already asking anim, anim, anime makers to like put their bodies on the line enough. They don't need to actually have a lethal pandemic, and Japan's not handling well, maybe, it very well, too. Maybe so. they should. Maybe that's the point. Of uh, anime. Uh, yeah. Keyframes disavows anything said by John. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you watch Send all emails off Ezekin? Anime is fun to make. Yeah. They don't have any rights to complain. Right. They'll just find a, a vaccine to the pandemic in the, one of the sheds of the school and then Easy. they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'm just going to uh, quickly eat. This might, you, John, you might want to move this around and, and put it in before this talk. But um, uh, Blade of the Immortal is directed by the same person who directed uh, Shirugi. Uh, oh, Sh- Shigurui? Really? Wow. Yeah. That um, makes me. That makes me fifty percent more likely to watch it. Unfortunately, fifty percent of like point zero one is still <laughs> not terribly high. Yeah, like uh, he he also did um, uh, something which I watched ages ago called uh, Technolos, which oh, is yeah, that's on my watch list for like the past twelve years. <laughs> yeah, it's a r- really weird show, and I think actually I watched five minutes. It's of like that. Cyber Go Junkie, right? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 mm-hmm. like um, body horror cyberpunk. And um, mm. Blade of the Immortal definitely has has some sub themes of uh, body horror as well. So like, there's this weird which Shirugi does as well. So it's obviously something this director, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Shigeru <laughs> is is extremely gross and extremely obsessed with like the weird shit that becoming like a really strong swordsman does to your body, like in terms yeah. of just like distorting it and making it this weird flesh golem. Mm. But all right, uh, well, yeah. rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter, Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook, search for Keyframes Podcast. Uh, email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. Tell John that uh, Megumi Ogata is a super famous voice actress. Who? Uh, and remember, tell a friend. Watch it or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Got him. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>